Hello, everyone, and welcome to Deserto's The Jungle. We're back after the MSI break. A new meta is underway here for the summer split. And as usual, we'll be here to break it all down. It is Monty, Dom, and Degon here. Y'all, I'm in Singapore. I've been covering Wild Rift Worlds. It's called Icons. It's been a lot of fun. But we'll turn our focus to LOL PC and all the changes that have been happening. Dom, uh, how are you, man? And uh, what has jumped out at you so far? Oh, I've been uh, I've I've been good. I've been uh, doing what like thirty five hours of coaching in the last three days or so. It's so a lot. it's a lot. Yeah, I've been I've been watching a ton of league, and let me tell you, what's jumped out to me is that every region has taken the durability changes and let it convince them outside of LPL that nothing is possible. You know, it's, everyone has <laughs> turned everyone into cowards. <laughs> no one will dive. No one will gank. Like it is just the most boring like AFK meta of all time, which I, I wonder how Riot's going to respond to this because obviously one of the main criticisms of the game for a long period of time was that everyone just died too fast. There's too much burst damage and essentially they wanted burst champions to do burst damage, but like bruisers should not be one-shotting you. That was like the whole idea behind this. But now in competitive play, it's like no one is killing anything and it's not actually the game's fault. It's just like psychologically, I feel like the players are like, oh, durability. That that sounds like it's fu like fucking people are tanky and then they look at the turret changes like, ooh, turrets are harder to dive, and I don't want to look like an idiot dying to a turret, so I'm probably not going to do that. And I, I feel like this must be kind of a catastrophe for the League of Legends uh, esports side of things because you're having games in LCK that have 30, that go 34 minutes and 30 seconds without a kill. Like you are having some of the most boring fucking games of all time in other regions. They so are very. Boring. What is the response? I, I can confirm be? from watching the LCK games. <laughs> Um, also, I mean, you didn't mention this either, but they're, they're also on different patches. Um, so what's, what's been interesting is that LCK and LPL are on 1210 and LCS and LEC are on 1211. And those are 1211 is the patch that actually reduced a small amount of the turret damage. So in theory, it would be not a lot easier, but slightly easier to make these dives on those patches and we still haven't seen very accelerated play in lcs or lec either so no it, it definitely feels like the the fear is, that that dom was talking about is is prevalent everywhere because there are a couple of champions that everyone plays like an Ezreal, like an Azir across all the different regions that have just been prioritized where you can dish out damage from safety. You can disengage when you want. The Wukong and Viego as well have been uh, showing up everywhere. And then Zeri, when available, uh, Zeri's been banned a ton. But again, a lot of mobility to disengage from a fight when it doesn't feel like it's going their way or to skirt around the edges here, Dom. Uh, why do you feel like we take so long to adjust to these uh, meta changes when it comes to durability after everything that you know you know the the purpose of this patch i mean i think the the main problem is that in regions outside of lpl pretty much every other region um they there isn't that much complexity in the plays that are being set up so normally it's kind of like they'll get a good trade and then based off that trade that'll be the catalyst for the action that that's to come so oh we got a good trade bot can we move mid? And then like people will start reacting based off that where a lot of like LPL plays were based off, um, were based off like setups and like, okay, we're going to have push mid. We're going to start stacking waves and we're going to dive on this wave with like three or four people. I mean, if you want to look at a, a prime example of this, you can look at OMG versus JDG game two and JDG just 
They're playing against the Kale, which is something that's getting picked around the world now because of um, the fact that if everything's more durable, that means you can scale easier, and Kale's one of the best scaling champions in the game. So the response to this was playing Gwen, stacking waves, and then having the jungler and the mid lane with Pryo just dive 3v2 with the jungler under turret. And this is verse the the super-powered, insanely strong turrets. And the funniest thing about it is that everyone's mentality is, oh, well, turrets are harder to dive, so we should do less of that. And then LPL's mentality is, oh, well, turrets are stronger, so we have to execute the dives better then. Like, that, that is the difference between the uh, the regions and and the psychopaths that are uh, my favorite LPL players. So uh, there's also, I, I, think, I, I think there's also the argument to be made that if you have a pre-planned dive, so a lot of what usually happens is that there, uh, you know, with, with a with a pre-planned dive, there's often a cross-map play, and if towers are stronger, and it's harder to execute the cross-map reaction if you don't have the setup there, because the setup itself becomes more important to the successful execution of a dive, right? And re doing a reactive setup is much more challenging. So in a way, if you're good at diving towers and you have that plan. The tower, the tower buffs can actually help you if you're capable of executing it without dying. Well, I mean, in in LPL, what we're seeing is literally like somebody's di di getting dove top, and then somebody and the the cross map play happens, the enemy team gets dove bot. But it's like the the champions that they're willing to put themselves in those diving situations with is pretty much every champion in the game. Like the way that they kind of view it is, if you have one man advantage, then you can dive. So if you have a three on two, you can dive. So let's say there's a gank top, there's a two on one top. Okay. Free gank bot. We're seeing like Lulu Viego diving Lucian Nami lanes from full HP. Like it, it, they just play for the execution. It's like, okay, we're going to polymorph him. Can't flash while he's polymorphed. And then we'll hit the Viego stun. One shot him. Get out of the turret. You know, like it's still not that much different. Sure. You can't take like a bunch of extra turret shots, but you can still take two turret shots, right? Two turret shots and then re-aggro. And then somebody else can tank one. So as long as you're able to juggle the aggro and kill somebody within the first like three turret shots you should be able to dive um and i just feel like people are scared to do it it literally just looks like pure fear i, I wonder if <laughs> I, w I wonder if it's like uh when other regions were able to uh dive a little bit easier in this last patch they didn't learn it properly they learned less about the tower and more about the burst damage uh but right there something simple that you just did dom was like count the tower shots it's three you want to kill them within three. If you can kill them within three, that's the way. If not, then there's a likelihood that the damage that they'll be able to put back will get one kill back for them or something like that. But it maybe the other regions didn't learn it well enough, Monty. <laughs> I mean, other regions didn't dive in the first place that much. You know, like LPL was true. always more willing to dive. And I think last split, there was um, a, a bit of a tough time for LPL. I think that was probably the worst um, LPL split in like the last six splits that I remember because they weren't sure of how to like execute dives when they can't TP to the dive, but then the enemy could TP to match the dive. So now a lot of the time what you're, you're seeing is that when the dives occur, they try to do it in ways where they force the enemy to not be able to bring TP. So they'll have like these Lissandra versus Ari matchups where the Lissandra will force the enemy Ari to take cleanse. And then if he has cleanse, oh shit, he can't go to, he can't, uh, TP to the side lane. So the Lissandra push then becomes that more valuable in the matchup because now you can use the push to actually force a 3v2 situation on an, another portion of the map. So um, yeah, I think that that the T 
TP changes were actually a nerf to LPL at the beginning of the year. But then as things have gone on, they've become smarter and smarter on how to play around these TP situations. And now people are just not taking TP as much because there's so many instances where you're going to need um, something like cleanse uh, because of the champions that are being uh, played in the mid lane right now. Uh, fans at home, the question now to you. Why do you think these meta changes are making other regions play much slower, unlike what the LPL is? Go ahead, let us know in the comments below after you subscribe, of course, because we finally did it. We passed Astralis. We are no longer the crap, the crappest show based off of subscription numbers in all of League of Legends. We passed the, uh, you know, the LEC squad that is always going to have some struggles here. Uh, so thank hey, you Astralis is doing better now. They made they made a lot of upgrades. You know, this is, we're still in a battle now that they're better. They might actually surpass us again. We can't have that. <laughs> That's right. So make sure you subscribe to the Deserto Law channel for all your League of Legends needs. And let us know why the meta changes is slowing down other regions, but not the LPL. Uh, another meta question that I kind of wanted to ask is because of the prevalence of the durability patch, we've seen some unique and new champions start to pop on up in different areas. So Monty, I wanted to ask you, uh, what has been a couple of the champions or one of the champions that you, that has surprised you the most, or is, is cool to see back in the meta that we haven't seen in a little while. I mean, those are two kind of different things, right? <laughs> those are two different things. <laughs> Um, I guess what surprised me was the Twitch Yumi uh, lane. Um, the Yumi wasn't terribly surprising because we, in any meta where you can get away with using Yumi and scale, uh, I think pro teams are going to pick it just because it is so incredibly powerful in the late game in terms of the mobility and healing it offers. But uh, the Twitch was, I, I would say, that was actually one of the more fun surprises because we haven't seen a lot of Twitch in recent metas. And he is a fun champion to watch that y you can do things and be very active on the map with if you're a good player and you're, you, you, you're playing around the rest of your team effectively. So that's been, that's been a little bit fun for me, I would say. Twitch Yumi played by, I think it was Johnson and Aframu in the LCS. That was the one that I remember seeing it. Yeah, it's been, it's been played a lot in the West overall uh dom how about you um well i mean we, we've seen a couple different things first. pop up yeah. so let's say so in lpl there's been a lot of kale right and one of the responses we saw to i the didn't kale realize was, it was the most played top laner in lpl until i looked it up just now <laughs> literally yeah. the most played <laughs> yeah so i mean there's a couple reasons for that so there because people are blinding more like Orin and sejuani now kale becomes more useful as a counter pick um and then also the really good Kale players or the people that are super comfortable on Kale are willing to just blind pick it. And people have different responses to what a blind pick Kale, like what you're supposed to do to blind pick Kale. Like, do you want to match it with range? Do you want to uh, play something that can really bully it early? One of the uh, things that we saw um, in, in the dive that I was talking about was when uh, you take a Gwen into the Kale, you just literally deny him from experience, stack four waves and then dive the Kale. But then the other option we saw, and one of the most, and the, for, this is going to lead into the most interesting um, champion that I've seen was Nasus coming back as a counter to Kale, which just looked <laughs> absolutely brutal for the Kale. You put the attack speed slow on the champion, that's all that champion is. And <laughs> this Nasus that, that we saw was from Cube. Um, he ended up with, I believe, I think like 360 stacks at 16 minutes by like 27, 28 minutes. He had 800 stacks. It was 
brutal. It, it just looked like such a hard counter. It actually looked unplayable. So I like seeing a lot of these new champions in the meta. I mean, I wasn't really surprised by Talia and Swain because they both got um, really big buffs. But I think that those champions just make the game more interesting. It's so much better to see uh, Talia be available instead of having to see Orianna versus Zier versus Corky only. Um, and yeah, that's why I was surprised that we weren't seeing much Talia at all in, in um, the West. Obviously, they are on different patches. So, you know, we'll have to see if LPL keeps uh, playing it on 12-11. But I assume that they will based on just the, the things that the champion does well. You know, like mobility is always something that they prioritize really heavily in, in the LPL. I mean, I you don't really know from scrims where the Galio started at MSI. But I assume that Jahu being unbeaten, un, unbeaten on it in LPL and then playing it in games and looking so good on it helped create that dynamic where people felt like they had to pick it up themselves or at least find counters to it. Um, and I feel like that heavily shaped the, the MSI meta. So these champions that can move out of the lane, Lissandra, Galio, like TF, Talia, like, and then Swain for, for early fights, all those types of champions, I think makes the game so much more fun. I was looking, I mean, <laughs> It's certainly true when we compare it to a lot of the kind of scaling control mages and the Victor, Corky, Azir meta that seems to be dominating a lot of the West and, and Korea right now. Um, at least in, I, I think it's it's probably most accurate to compare this to LCK because at least they're on the same patch and there were a lot of changes in 12.11, but LCK has been pretty locked into like Ari, Azir, Corky, Victor overall. Um and Talia has been one of the most second most banned champions within the league, but we really have only, I think there's only one game um, that we saw Talia mid and otherwise it was a jungle pick for Dread, which worked very well until Nongshim basically threw that game versus T1. So, but that wasn't the problem. I mean, he did really well with it in the early game. Uh, is, is, was, was the Nasus game, was that the only game that you saw the counter to Kale? I, I, I just find that fascinating because um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, there was only one pick. It was the first time that it had been picked in like nine and a half years in LPL. There had not been a Nasus picked in that <laughs> amount of time. They uh, just pulled it out. It looked fucking amazing. I was like, Jesus. Okay. This, all right, Cube. Like, I guess you got the Nasus pocket pick. But I mean, he, he has a lot of those like interesting picks. Um, cube is not a super mechanical top laner. Like most of the LPL top laners. Like when you think of other LPL top laners, they're always good on like Camille Fiora. Like those are the picks they want to play Jax. Those are all these LPL champions and cube is, he's like able to kind of play them, but you never really want to see it on him. It's like when impact plays a carry top laner and you're like, I mean, you're not terrible at it, but like you're not <laughs> exceptional. You're not impact on it, right? Like when impact plays Gwen and you're an EG fan, a little part of you dies every single time. You're like, fuck, <laughs> God damn it. We're going to lose this game. Like, all right, well, we're not going to win through the game. Hopefully Danny pops off, but um, yeah, so he's that type of player. So he pulled out the Mordekaiser. So he's got the impact champion pool going. He pulled out the Mordekaiser as a counter to the blind Sejuani's that have been going around uh, and had a really good game on that. That was the one game that they won versus uh, ultra prime today. So yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of interesting champions, I guess. Um, while you said that, I was thinking real quick about, what was the most surprising and outside of the Nasus, the one of the most surprising that's been picked actually a few times has been Vi because I think this champion is like terrible. I, I don't know where this champion came from. And then now people are just picking Vi all of a sudden, like in multiple regions, like we saw it in LCK. We've seen an LPL a few times. I just feel like this champion sucks. I, I was really surprised to see it because 
that Jamie does not feel good to play. Uh, it's only been a few games in LCK, so it, it's not like it has been incredibly high priority. But I, you know, I I haven't been impressed with it either in terms of its success. But a lot of the time, if the jungle, if the eighty jungle pool gets pinched because there's so much of a priority on Wukong and Viego right now, and I think if you're really desperate for an AD jungler uh, teams might default to it if they kind of fuck up their draft a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think, I think it's sometimes I feel like it's been a little bit of a desperation pick in LCK well, rather than something that was incredibly intentional. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea of it is like when you play with stuff that can cover a lot of distance, like a Ari or a Lissandra um, or even Talia, you have that Vi plus mage one-shot combo and it's really good at locking down uh even uh mobile champions like for example leblanc so if you're playing against leblanc or ari or you're playing with leblanc or ari and you're playing with these these high mobility champions in the mid lane that's normally when you see the vi come out but it just seems so one-dimensional it feels like you know what a vi is going to do in the game and i just feel like it shouldn't be working but it keeps getting picked uh fans at home this is your reminder subscribe to the Deserto channel, and let us know what is the most surprising pick you've seen so far across the League of Legends meta, and what region? Uh, yeah, that I think that's a good one there. Uh, I do want just a couple more things about the meta, just because I missed it a little bit. Why is Sejuani top, like, the thing? Sejuani top the thing, and then Dom, I want you to uh, kind of give your spiel on what what junglers we should pick into Wukong, because I know you're popping off about it earlier. But why, Monty, thoughts on the Sejuani? Like, wh why why is that there? Like, why can't it be anything else tanky? Why can't we just default back to Ornn? Um, so, a couple things about this that I think are interesting. I, I was talking to Alorum about this, because he is like a Sejuani <laughs> top connoisseur. <laughs> Um, so he brought up some interesting points when, when I asked him about this and he thinks that first off, he thinks it's actually worse than it was last year when he was trying to evangelize about Sejuani top, which I also thought was kind of hilarious. Um, but he brought up some good points about synergy with existing junglers. Um, it is Sejuani passive is strong, uh, with Wukong and Viego because you can quickly not passive the, uh, the stun. Um, because you can quickly stack up the, that ability with attack speed steroids or auto resets um, that Wukong and, and Viego can, are capable of like basically stunning a lot of people very quickly using that. Um, it is possible to run Ignite in the lane as well, as long as you just don't use your Q to trade because it has such a long cooldown, right? So you can have, especially with some of these junglers, they can set up the stun very quickly. Um, some pretty strong kill pressure, and especially since you are going to be pushed in early in a lot of matchups as well. Uh, it also, I think, it, it gives tankiness, but when you... Orn is still... I think Orn is still stronger, but we have seen, to a certain degree, Orn bans um, as well. Um, but it, it, it's just a reliable engage tool. Um you have the ability to kind of throw out your ultimate and not commit to a lot of these fights, which means that you have more options in the way that you play out uh, many of these team fights. So I think, I think these are a lot of the reasons why people are preferring it right now. 
Yeah, I'll go for the the easy answer, which is simply so simply buffed in 12.8. Like they just straight up buffed um, the frost armor uh, passive. Right. And then the biggest part about it and the reason why people are really picking it is because you have um, percentage max health scaling within the kit. So now everyone has more percentage max health. So people are just picking champions that get benefit from having more health. So that's the that's the easy answer for why people are, are picking Sejuani. And then I think that a lot of the times um, you're just using people are the best case for it is when you're picking it as an answer to the Orin where you're both just like handshaking tank matchups. And yeah, no one's going to really have a massive advantage there. Gotcha. That and Swain, I think, was another one that we started seeing a little bit more. So uh, I can't wait to see what other, uh, I guess, new champs, new old champs keep coming back in the meta and, and answers that we keep getting. Like, the nap, like I'm still stuck on the Nasus by Cube. That's so cool. That just makes I, a lot of sense. For what it's worth, I think Sejuani's probably going to be on her way out because she's she's been she's a lot less effective that, than people... I think would like to ha to believe that she is like in in the actual practice of professional matches, it hasn't been amazing by any means. Yeah. Well, uh, shout out to Kieran. That's Alorum. He and I are friends. I got to call him by the first name. Uh, fellow <laughs> member of uh, the esports soccer group. He he played with us last week before I left. All right. Uh, one more. The Wukong Dom. People kept handshaking AD champs into it. You were evangelizing for anything else. What, what are the answers here? Why does that piss you off so much? <laughs> I mean, so Wukong is a strong pick, but I mean, it has distinct weaknesses, which I don't feel like people are exploiting. They're just handshaking Viego, and I feel like generally Viego is just, you know, it, it's not going to be an answer really to the Wukong. It's just that you can play that, and then the other guy can play Wukong, and neither of you are going to really, like, get too far ahead of each other um, based off just jungle matchup, but... Um, the picks that I really like in Wukong, the two that I've been talking about are Karthus and Lilia. Um, I think Karthus is actually a pretty difficult champion to play. Like you have to be really comfortable hitting your cues, and a lot of people don't want to take the risk of actually having a 1v1 that's skill dependent as opposed to just playing Viega and Wukong and just running your fucking face all over your keyboard. And, you know, whoever fucking has, hits their keyboard first with their head wins. Like instead of that situation, <laughs> you know, you actually have to hit Karthus cues, you know, you have to use your wall well, um, you know, to set up one queue, you have to smite, hit another queue, you actually need to be able to protect yourself um, as a Karthus by queuing on top of yourself, um, and yeah, I just think that this that the Karthus has a good matchup into it. Um, Karthus and Lilia, for the same reasons, they both are way faster clears than Wukong. Karthus is actually faster than Lilia, but Lilia can, can scrap a little bit uh, more aggressively into Wukong. If you pair something like a Karthus or a Lilia, with a prio mid, you should just be able to like play for their raptors on on repeat. Push in mid, group your mid with your jungle, walk into their jungle. There's nothing that a, that a Wukong can do uh, pre six. After six, you actually have to be like smart about it. You've got to make sure that you're not getting engaged on in one shot. Um, but you should have a lead in this matchup. That's like the core part about when you're playing a Karthus or a Lilia into Wukong. You should actually be able to develop a lead from the fact that you clear so much faster. So Wukong has. Yeah, like I said, two main weaknesses. The two main weaknesses, clear speed, just it pretty much is a five camp jungler max before crab where all these other junglers are six. Um, that's number one. Uh, also with, with Karthus, um, you can actually invade a Wukong level one. You have that advantage uh, as well. And then the other advantage of playing magic damage dealing champions and why they're good into Wukong is because Wukong's passive gives him armor, um, but it doesn't give him MR. So 
he's a lot squishier when you actually have to um deal with magic damage dealing champions and it yeah i mean Karthus just does so much fucking damage that it essentially forces the wukong to go a hex drinker um and you can just really outpace that champion in the jungle so i want to see those as answers i mean i still think wukong can be op i think it is really strong at the right times um but i don't think that it's unbeatable which is kind of how it's looked in a lot of these regions like no one is actually being able to to deal with the champion and i feel like it's because they permanently answer it with the same matchups they play Lee Sin into it or they play Volibear into it or they play Viego into it and none of them are actually going to beat it it's like they're just trying to not lose the game yeah it, I, it is worth noting that at least on 1210 that was before the Wukong nerfs which also not a lot but did slightly hurt the the jungle speed of Wukong which made it even slower in many ways so I, I mean, I guess I understand the priority in LPL and LCK just a little bit more because that was before some of these changes, but you have a lot of valid Yeah, the, the Wukong changes are, are, are fake news. They don't actually do anything <laughs> to, to his clear speed because like really in the jungle, sure, like technically he clears slightly slower, but what really matters is like how many camps can you do before the crab spawns or 315 or like how, how fast does it take you to hit level three and how many of your abilities you need to cast how many of your aoe abilities your e in this case do you need to cast in order to kill like the wolves and and, and the raptors and essentially it's all the same so it's kind of just like a, a fake nerf where they just want to pretend like they're hitting wukong but what they did doesn't actually change the way that people are going to play them they're going to put two points in e two points in q you use two e's on the raptors you don't need or sorry two e's on the wolves um you don't need to hit the wolves an extra time or anything so your clear speed is effectively the same um and yeah, I mean, they didn't actually like hurt his attack speed. They just hurt his like the monster damage, the increased monster damage from the E ability. So I don't think that it will do anything to really push Wukong out of the meta. Like on 12-11, I'm, I'm not expecting any less Wukong play from the East. I, I like that point. I don't know how I prepped this like fact that just I was just kind of looking earlier. Blabber has played. Blabber has one of the highest uh, XP differences at uh, ten, and he's the one that's played into the Wukong. Uh, two out of the three games, it looks like Cloud Nine is not playing the Wukong or not prioritizing the Wukong on both sides. Uh, and yeah. he's well, been they already have two him. people playing like monkeys in the bot lane, so they don't want to <laughs> oh. overload on their team comp. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can't, you can't completely chimp out as a team, you know. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> it's too easy to counter. Then they just run three Carthuses into your three Wukongs, and how do you oh. win? <laughs> All right, and with that. <laughs> Let's hop on into the LCS. <laughs> uh, I love that. That was a good one. Sorry, uh, Destiny. Um, all right. We'll start there. The standings. Cloud9 on the bottom. First time in three years. CLG on the top. A caveat, the, uh, strength of schedule, probably a lot yeah. to do. Jesus Everything Christ, to do CLG, with that. CLG got a three pass, That was the, I think that was the easiest schedule they could get. Surprising, well, and good for I mean, them. Did, they did it, win those it, games. I mean, like, is it that easy? Because, like, to be honest, like, CLG should be a complete fucking bottom feeder, right? So, like, I feel like they shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even be possible for them to have an easy schedule because they, they, they shouldn't be better than three teams. So, like, any teams they play against, it should be a fucking hard schedule. So, for me, I was like, if they just win three games of the Super Bowl, damn, they look a lot better. Like they, they look like they might not be bottom three. Well, I think the I think the meta, obviously, when you were relying on Luger very heavily last split, and we're now in a scaling AD carry, and 
I, I mean, we can talk about this. You would argue that the game has not changed very fundamentally in terms of diving or productivity as a result of these changes, but in the perception it has an, of, it has in the of, LCS. In LCS and LEC and LCK, the perception yeah. is that it has among pro players, and you can tell that by their play. I was talking with Wolf, and he said that over the first week of LCK competition, that the average game time has gone up by four whole minutes, which is like an absolutely insane change for average game time in a, in a league. Uh, so the perception is definitely there within LCK, which you can also tell by just watching the games by the eye test. Um, but regardless, under the perception of these things and under the fact that there is a lot of handshaking going on in bot lane matchups around scaling 80 carries, uh, you would expect that this would be a good meta for a player like Luger to potentially carry this team. Nice. So I think that they have, whether it's real or not, the only thing that matters is that this is the way teams are playing and the way teams are playing is beneficial to CLG and the players that they have on this roster. It's got a, it's got up 25 seconds in LPL. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually that's actually that's actually a very interesting stat that it went up four minutes in in korea and 25 seconds so literally yeah. one eighth as much uh in, increased game time plus <laughs> the amount of games that have been played in the lpl so the variance is is, is kind of gone now like that is definitely what it is yeah. whereas a lot of the other regions uh, lck has played more games but definitely yeah they played 10 best know. of threes at this point so it's not a, yeah. it's not a small amount of games right 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 um, I think the interesting thing about that, though, um, what you were saying about Luger is that they're not really even playing like a scaling AD meta. Like they're playing Seraphine. the Sivir. They're playing. They play. He played the Seraphine, That's which true. I thought was interesting. Yeah. And then the <laughs> other game, he was playing Fasting Seta. So it feels like they're actually not playing That's around true. that. And the fact that they actually have a, a top laner, it's like, oh my god, they can actually play the game through all three lanes. That they're they. they uh, seem so like you attri so you attribute this to to Dokla instead? I don't know. I like. I just attribute it not to Dokla. I attribute it to Jenkins. It's just, it's a negative thing Jenkins. that I'm attributing Jeez. to Jenkins. You know, I'm not a positive person, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sing people's praise. I'm just trying to bring everyone down. Sorry, Thomas. No. I can't protect you on this one, dog. <laughs> I think, I think that's, I think that's, that's a fair point. And certainly at least Dokla has been, I mean, he's been much more willing to play aggressively, which has been, he's a more fun player to watch. I'll say that uh, in the no, game. He's definitely better than Jenkins. I, like, I, I was joking. He's clearly like a lot better than Jenkins. And, and he actually looked like he was pretty good. Like when you compare how he looks coming in to like somebody like Gomsu, night and day, like just yeah. look like two completely different players. I know you like Gomsu, but I'm going to have to flame him on this. Uh, Oh, you can play Gonzo. I like him personally. That doesn't mean I am in love with the way he plays League of Legends at the moment. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, like he's gonna get it whenever we get to dig it up. At least, at least you give him the heads up. Jace, Jason, Yone here for um for Dokla. For me, I I thought it was the play of a Blaze, like or not a Blaze, a Palafox. I thought Palafox looked just more solid. Uh, I think because there was. There was the game where uh, I think Contracts was getting called out. He like the way his pathing wasn't great, and just kind of like in certain areas. There was even on the Yone Dokla. It was cool that he picked it, but I don't think that was the big factor there. I think it was the the fact that Palafox was kind of like stable in the mid lane, allowing the the composition to play around himself, and he was making plays uh, on the Talia. Um, I, I thought that was that was an interesting thing. So, but I, I like the fact that. Uh, 
you're, you're willing to give the props here to to the squad because I, I thought along with Monty, it, it feels strength of schedule. They catch TSM with their new roster, figuring it out. Mia and Maple coming on in. Um, Golden Guardians with Sticks A. I mean, they shouldn't. They don't really have an excuse. I think they should have. You know, the Golden Guardians would have been better than CLG. And then. Um, was that last match? This is Dignitas, right? Dignitas. That match was messy. That was just a messy match, but they ended up coming out on top. But CLG finding themselves at the top of the table along with Evil Geniuses and Team Liquid. Uh, 100 Thieves at 2-1, and one, and then everyone else has a losing record because some of the teams that looked really bad uh, beat each other. So uh, what uh, what is another team that you want to dive into here, Monty? Wait, I, so... Does anybody know if Leader is actually in North America right now? Because I know no. he's signed. He's not. I mean, at least like last week he wasn't. I was watching okay. him play. Let me. I can literally look at his E West account and let's see when he last <laughs> played it. Let me just do the uh, quick check right here. And why did he have to name himself? They changed a rune to name after him, so now it's like difficult to find. Yeah, yeah. No, yesterday he was playing in um, EU. So he is not. I just really yet. want him to be on Golden Guardians main roster is my point, because I would infinity rather watch leader be leader in LCS for my own entertainment than have to watch more Golden Guardian games without leader. So I'm hoping that maybe eventually he'll he'll make his way over to the Golden Guardians Academy and get promoted to the main roster. Well, I mean, That's it's, it's I all about the green card, right? That's what they yep. need. So, <laughs> well, it, it, on the, the visa, the visa, not the green card, but yes. Does it doesn't Ole need a green card? Ole would need the green card, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, like, okay. Ole yeah. needs Ole needs uh, a green card because they only have they have two imports already, so they can't play him yet. I imagine or... that's probably coming pretty soon, though, for Ole. Yeah, I'm not sure because. Like, I, because he did that weird thing where he was in America for a while and then he went back to Korea for a while. So now it might be harder for him to get the um, the green card. So we'll see. Or you would promote him with Chime, right? Or Acadian, which I don't think I don't think that's the play. It's, no, they're not getting Chime. rid of Ole. I don't think. I think Ole is no. like <laughs> one of the only reasons they ever win games. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think he's he's pretty core to this team's. Uh, lack of success right now. Well, aren't they both? I would say both Ole and Pride Stalker are core to how they how they play. I thought, or I I think so. So it feels like you can't really get leader in there if you're not going to take one or well, the other out. It feels yeah, very... like I said, uh, like like Dom said, like I think it's I think it depends on the the green card situation. But I do hope that 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 day comes because I would actually really enjoy seeing leader be able to play on a main roster in LCS. I think it would. I think at the very least, it would make the region more entertaining. Yeah, so. I don't know if it'll be like exciting or just sad seeing players that you like like then slowly <laughs> become NA players where you know they want to play a certain. We've been way. dealing with that for years. I, that, that, I'm numb to that pain now. Yeah, I mean, I just don't want to see like that happen to Leader. You know, it's not even for me really. It's just it's more. It's mainly for him. It's like for his sake. I hope that the visa doesn't come and he just like gets on an LEC team randomly. Like, oh man, he has visa issues. He has to stay in in uh, in Europe. Oh, what a shame! Oh shit, you know, misfits explodes and they need a a, a new mid laner because Vedio just refuses to play with the animals on his team. Okay, perfect. Throw him in there. Let's see. Let's see what he does, and then we repeat the process of season nine once again. That's what I'm hoping for. Jeez, it, it may well happen. It may well happen. 
Um, a, a team that does have a new mid laner, Cloud9, who went 0-3. They were not able to muster anything uh, in their games. Uh, but Jensen is back. How do we feel about the swaps? Is it just hard to tell anything because of the bot lane performance? What do you think? Yeah, their ball is pretty fucking bad, to be honest. <laughs> I watched King die to solo package twice. And to me, it was just like, dude, you've been playing pro for nine years. Like, if at this point, Corky package is too much. Like, it's not like, oh, you, like you had a brain fart and you walked into Corky package. It actually looked like Corky package just counter set. It's like, holy shit, Corky package <laughs> puts it on the floor. And for some reason, it has a magnet in it that attracts the center to the to the center of the fucking corky package and it just hundred knows him every single time like it was actually insane that that's that that's a thing so to be honest like i i didn't think that king and destiny were that bad until this week i was like oh they're like they're probably gonna really be like, okay. you watched immortals last split and you didn't think destiny was that bad yeah, I mean, he played pretty well the split before, so I was like, oh, maybe it's Immortals. Like, I don't, like, I don't think that... I think that that whole team made everyone look even shittier than they were, but, I mean, even on Immortals, like, I think that, like, out on Immortals, he looked like a bad LCS player. But now, but like, he looked like a bad Academy player in these games. Like, they were just... They were just terrible. So, I didn't think that there would be a major liability in the games that were played, because it wasn't like they were playing against crazy fucking good bot lanes. They were playing against Stixay, who just came back from coaching... And Ole, they're just getting solo killed in those fucking games. So that was surprising for me. Like maybe I just maybe I was just delusionally positive about how good King and, and Destiny were, but I just didn't know that they were like terrible, terrible. I mean, I think Destiny was has been really, really bad this year. Um I, I so many of those Immortals games were like he would randomly over engage into the enemy team and Nautilus. just he's not a list. He would like hook into the enemy team and just die when there was no one else around. And like his communication looked really off. And you have to remember that Nautilus is historically his best champion, like across his career. And so for him to then take his best champion and do very badly on it was like a massive red flag for me. Um, and uh, immortals was a, a mess obviously for a lot of reasons, but I, I think with with C9, like moving away from the bad play of their bot lane, which I guess can be expected, these players are new to playing with each other as well, right? So the the issue for Cloud9 is that they they didn't even get their own like boot camp because Ven wasn't able to go to Korea. So like half of them were out there just solo queuing, then Fudge got COVID and then got trapped in Korea for a while and was still recovering on the way back, so couldn't be there in person. So you have, again, multiple role swaps on this roster. Fudge going back to top lane, which you think he could acclimate to relatively quickly, right? Uh, but also, I think there's, there is a factor of the teleport changes being implemented that he may not be used to, uh, having primarily worked on the mid lane in the offseason, although... That role, you know, can have those TPs as well, but it, it would be used differently than it would be in the top lane. So right. he has to reacclimate to this role. We have Sven, who is swapping roles, who never really got to practice with his lane partner or with the rest of the team because he wasn't, as I understand it, in Korea, right? And then you get Berserker, who then loses his passport and his visa, which is the most pro player thing to ever do. <laughs> I don't even know how you do these things. It's it's truly amazing. Every time I think 
that the the pro player life general life skill bar can't be set any lower. Somebody lowers it again. It's like it's like they're playing uh, staying you know staying alive limbo uh, where the bar just gets lower every time and somebody goes under it and I just wonder how are these functional human beings in the real world? Uh, so he what, wait. But they're not in the real world. They're in esports. Exactly. But I mean, in their brief encounters with the real world, like these situations, it always turns out disastrously, right? So, I, it is. This has been like this whole year has been a fiasco for Cloud Nine, from the the LS incident to Summit mental booming to the whatever is going on with everybody's visas and ability to travel. Uh, some of it has been caused by the players themselves or by the individuals themselves. Some of it has just been horrible luck uh, with the pandemic or or uh, governmental situations, right? But it, this whole year for Cloud9 has just been terrible. Uh, the, it seems like everything that can go against them has gone against them, some by their own doing, some just by an act of God, right? Uh, but... Given all of these circumstances, it did seem unreasonable to expect that they were going to be doing well coming into this first week. However, it does look like Berserker is in the U.S. now, so maybe they will finally start getting some practice together as a unit, and we'll actually see what this roster is capable of. I don't anticipate that they are going to be ending the split uh, in this dire situation, because on paper, their roster, I still believe in it. And I think Sven can go back, can accommodate himself very well to a support role. Uh, so, and it, at the end of the day, it only really matters if they make playoffs, right? And then it does, as long as they can make a deep playoff run, it's totally fine. And considering the top eight teams make playoffs, I don't think Wait, that's is it top be... eight now. Yes. Yeah. Wait, they, they, they changed it back to top eight for summer. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, that's terrible. Oh, shit. Well, not for Cloud9. <laughs> All right. Okay. Wait, where did they announce that? I thought it was only six. Fuck. Uh, no, I think because it's it's the Worlds, I think it's top eight. My God, that's so, it's the worst format. You you have an 18 game, 18 best of ones per team for the top, for only two teams to be eliminated. That is mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. And then you can play 18 more games just in the playoffs, right? Very wow, easily. I thought I thought that that they ch I don't know where I, where I thought I heard that they changed that. You you could be right, but I mean that uh, that was I would assume that it's still going to be the top eight teams. Um, I would assume that that's going to be the case because okay. because this is the world's qualification, and because last year spring was six teams and summer was eight teams. Oh, that is a. Uh... Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. Well, I mean, I guess we'll we'll see how that goes. I mean, that makes it really easy for them. Then I, I thought it was right. That's why I'm not panicking or anything, right? Because I, I mean, I, 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 now, I thought it was six, but I still wasn't going to panic because I mean, think about how bad some of the teams are, like Immortals, FlyQuest, Dignitas, Golden Guardians. Like that's four bad. Like, and that's even like a more like come on. Uh, like I don't trust TSM to actually be that good. Like you should. Like, if you get into good form, you should at least be beating six of the teams consistently right you know? and and honestly i would argue in in cloud nine's case that it's actually very good for them that they faced eg and team liquid in this weakened state because you know i think they were given the other problems even if all of their players had been there 
I still think they would be underdogs, uh, given their situation of, of role swapping players, uh, and all the other problems they had in advance. So even if they had been able to get all their players into LCS at the same time, they still probably would have lost both of those games. They wouldn't have been the favorites. So for them to kind of ditch games that they probably would have lost anyways, and then that buys them time and to get onto the parts of the schedule that they're mo they were more likely to win, I think is actually probably quite good for them. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I'll, I mean, look, I feel like they probably should have been able to win at least one of these games. Um, but uh, they just looked, they looked like they were individually not having the best weeks either. I mean, Blabber specifically was the one where, you know, normally he's pretty dominant in fucking, I mean, in summer split, he sometimes has, has a bad go of it, but generally he's pretty, pretty dominant in, in regular seasons. Like he just kind of shits on everyone. And if he's just going to be an average jungler, then it's going to be tough for them because like fudge is not going to be a super standout immediately. And I feel like Jensen is still trying to find his place in the team. And when you look at his champion pool, sure. he plays three drastically different champions, right? It's like, he's the control mage on Victor. Then he's playing like the long range hyperscale on, on a uh, Corky where he's like a main source of poke. And then like the, the other game he played was the Yone game, which is, you know, a very generally aggressive pick where you're trying to like get leads in the mid game. So you're able to, um, yeah, just be a huge factor in team fights. So I just don't know what he's going to decide on, but I'm pretty sure that this team, if, if it becomes like standard LCS, it becomes this Azir quirky meta. I'm pretty sure they should be able to just hone in on a couple champions that they're really good at in their roles. And, you know, if Jensen is playing control mage versus control mage against people like Palafox, against people like blue against people like POE, people like a blaze olive, People like Takui, I think he'll be fine. Like he'll 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 still be better than them. I'm I'm sure of that. I think the biggest point of concern for me with Cloud9 is that when you have teams like this, and I think we saw this with Team Liquid as well in the spring split, where they don't have really any time with their full roster before the season starts. It's really hard to form a, a cohesive team identity because you're just prepping week to week and constantly putting band-aids on problems. And so I'm concerned that you have a player that historically has been very good, but has been inactive. You have two players role swapping. You have a berserker who can't really speak English trying to talk to Sven and, and follow. I, I mean, I assume Sven is probably going to be the primary shot caller of this team with Blabber. So you basically are starting from scratch when it comes to how you want to establish your team identity and how you want to play the game. And they're just going to all be thrown into it in the middle of the split. So given that, they are not going to have any time to figure out this identity before Worlds. They kind of just have to pray that they make top three and then use the Worlds break to actually fundamentally fix any problems that they might have. But that's going to be really hard. And I think you see Team Liquid looks much better now because they had this break. They had this Korean boot camp to address a lot of the issues that they have identified, right, throughout the spring split. And it's done them a, a huge amount of good, but you're just never going to have that. So I think, I think you're going to see a lot of the same kind of issues that you saw with Team Liquid last split with Cloud9 this split, if they get all of their members into, on the stage at the same time, right? Yeah, a lot, a lot of band aids are going to be. I mean, it's literally, it, it's almost exactly the same situation. You have a player who's role swapping, 
with with Whippo. You have a player that's oh. not there with substitutes, right? And you have a player who hasn't been playing on stage in Bjergsen's case. So it takes a while to to warm these things up again. And it's really, really, really hard to make these shifts as a team when you have no time to play for a few weeks together and really build your team's identity. I love that one, Monty. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. So great, great parallel across. Uh, and don't worry, Cloud9 fans, you've got Counter-Strike. Right? So are you IAM? saying that what they need to do is fire their coach on the second week again? Gyoto <laughs> <laughs> uh, did get fired, though, so no. There it is. Keep the same pair. <laughs> it was, it no. wasn't Gyoto's fault that any of that should happen. And if anything, <laughs> I would say that looking at Team Liquid's success, you would say, okay, well, when Gyoto had the chance to, like, actually get his team together and prep them properly for a split it's been much more successful yeah uh let's dive into that team liquid squad a perfect game rarely do we get to see that happen a perfect game against immortals uh as well as the dominant wins against cloud nine and uh against uh dignitas this team we've got three undefeated teams and so we'll go ahead wrangle in evil geniuses here are Evil Geniuses the favorite here, or is it Team Liquid? Uh, based it has off to be of TL. Yeah, I'm, I'm still saying TL. Like, I don't know. I mean, TL's got to be able to win NA with their roster. If they can't win NA with their <laughs> roster, it's like one of the most... It, it would be such a classic NA thing, because for some reason, it's like... You take whoever, and you put them in NA, and then they just go full NA. They're always disappointing. It's like, I just want to see someone actually live up to like expect like my expectations aren't that fucking high we're literally in the 12th season of this game and i'm like all right team liquid i just want you to to beat like two fucking rookies that like literally are, are just started playing the game like two rookies and then i want you to get out of group stage like i want you to be better yep. than a that's a very a, reasonable expectation first at NA, out of groups at worlds that is i think that's extraordinarily reasonable this roster was designed to do damage at international competition. Like there is no way you spend the amount of money that they have spent and th have any other expectation, especially when Worlds is in NA this year. Steve on this show said mm -hmm. that the reason why they were able to get this money to put together this roster was because Worlds was in NA and they can do activations for these sponsors at NA events. So it is, it would be, catastrophic for this team not to make worlds and it would be very bad for this team not to get out of groups at worlds like maybe they get unlucky with a group draw but at the end of the day these this group of players is competitive on an international stage we know that because most of them have proven that before what about Bergson? <laughs> that's the question Excuse me. Most. Bjergsen got out of groups at Worlds in 2014. Ah, yes. When uh, when Svenskeren <laughs> named his solo queue account, and I quote, his his solo queue ID was Taipei Chingchong, and then he got banned for the first three yep. games, and then SK actually ended up in, and then in the they next won. three games. Yeah, they won. So they probably were better than TSM. So nice. They got out of group stage. To be cool. fair, to be fair, that game that they played in group stage where Svenskeren was actually playing was one of the biggest clown fiestas ever. In like mm -hmm. a world's group. I mean, that was hilarious that SK actually managed to win that. Yeah, last time that Bjergsen got out of groups, Danny was just a twinkle in his daddy's eye. <laughs> it's been that long. I don't think uh, that's where I was. I was actually from, joking as well because okay. I think that TSM roster was 
not very good. Um, and <laughs> I do still like to taunt amazing about the fact that they thought that they were going to make a deep run at worlds and that they won a game versus the eventual world champions when that team was trolling them. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I I do think though, like Bjergsen has not had a great history of success at at Worlds, but some of the other players have have proven their mettle, I would say. Um, and it, the intention of putting this roster together is very clearly to do well at international competition. And there are no more excuses. Like we don't have the core JJ green card excuse anymore, where they didn't get to practice as a team, which is super valid, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um. And they have had time off. And like I had Gyoto on Summoning Insight today. So you can go watch that show and just hear what he says about the team. But he talks about their Korean boot camp extensively, how they were able to finally, as I was pointing out earlier, really focus on their team identity for the first time because they couldn't do that in the middle of the split and decide how they want to play. And I think that indecisiveness was really one of the core issues with Team Liquid is that they were like playing all these different styles week to week. And it's like, they but almost always have... At some point, somebody has to be smart enough to realize when you have one of these super teams, this is the trap that every single one falls into. They always think, oh, we can play through top and bot and that's the yes. point of a super team. We can do everything. You have to fucking know that going in. So when I heard yes. people saying that, it's pissing me off because on this show we were talking about that last split. Sure. Like, just pick a fucking identity. Like, just do I mean, something. We, we, we did say that. But also, uh, you know, I, I will say, Giotto does not have a, a history of coaching with this level of talent. player and talent. And so, like, in the past, I think he's been really good about selecting, you know, making very deliberate plans and controlling the way the roster wants to play. He's not going to have that level of control with this group of veteran players because they are going to have their own ideas. So I think in a way their failures in spring are, are actually forcing them to make a lot of these decisions now, whereas, and it might be a good thing because if they had done well in spring and just kind of rolled to a title being the indecisive kind of nebulous lump that they were, I'm not sure they would have learned any lessons. And I think in the long run, this might actually make them more dangerous at Worlds uh, because they've had to take a step back, be very serious about their boot camp. He said that they went and did uh, basically team building retreats in Los Angeles before they went to Korea. Then they went to Korea, had an extremely successful boot camp, and they do look significantly more proactive, significantly more decisive now that they've come back to the LCS. So no one's going to remember that they didn't do that well in spring if the result is that they win the LCS title and make it out of groups at Worlds. It will be seen as a success. So well, I would we'll say... We'll remember and we'll flame them for it. Sure. <laughs> but I, I, think there were, I think there were a lot of extenuating circumstances. And at least we can say they have trended significantly in the right direction and appear to be taking the steps necessary to fix the problems that we commented on. Uh, even if they don't make worlds, they still can do the activations in North America. So, uh, there you go, Steve, you got it. Yeah. I'm um, pretty sure the sponsors are going to be over the moon about that one. They'll be like, well, guys, uh, we didn't get to, uh, we didn't get to be on stream in front of millions of people and have our sponsors <laughs> there, but at least, at least you shook the hands of 500 fans at a stadium in San Francisco. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to be real happy with that one. Degon. It depends. I, it, it depends it, how that, high up, how high up the, the, yeah, you fell, you fell in, you fell into the riot trap. Riot's like, what if we prioritize the in 
the in-person fan experience by taking worlds to all of these different cities in these regions so that we can make a few thousand people happy instead of making millions and millions of people happy by having double elimination and not moving all over a fucking country or a fucking continent. How about that, Riot? How about that? Why don't you make the, the majority, 99% of the fans happy by having a good fucking format instead of making a thousand fans happy that you came to their shitty ass city? Thank you. I did not have on my bingo card in the first episode of the summer split. We're already going into world's format. <laughs> hey, look, you're actually here. You're actually we, we've actually started successfully to prove that Riot knows what good formats are. I thought that they were just so ignorant about sports and esports that they just didn't ever look at anything else. So they refused to acknowledge they exist. But Valorant proved that they actually do know what, what double elimination and major tournaments is. And you're casting a tournament right now that knows what GSL groups in a MOBA are. So mm -hmm. it's it's actually very interesting that they themselves are admitting that they were wrong, but for some reason are paralyzed from uh, making these changes at a Worlds or MSI level. Let it be known for the record, I love Wild Rift. All right. Cool. Hey, Wild Rift, look, they're doing it better. How can Wild <laughs> Rift, the same game on mobile, have a better format than the fucking World Championship? How How is that allowed to happen? Good question. Great, I feel like Riot great, actually great doesn't care that much about League and they just tried to like take all these lessons from League and then just apply it to all the other things that they're fucking doing. <laughs> like, I feel like that's their, like League is just their guinea pig and they're like, okay, let's try co-streaming. All right, oh, that's working pretty well. Okay, so now fuck all the co-streamers and we're going to have Shroud co-stream Valorant. Perfect. Like that's going to be the trade-off. <laughs> well, to be fair, nobody would watch Valorant esports if Shroud and Tarek weren't co-streaming it. So they actually need I that. <laughs> they need it for now. Um, final thoughts honest, here. Not that many people ahead, are, are watching LCS when there's uh, not co-streamers either. <laughs> like if you're yeah, looking at the numbers. Funny you actually. <laughs> funny you actually mentioned that, Dom. I, I looked up uh, the stats for summer 2021, the first week versus summer 2022, and literally Team Liquid versus Cloud9 uh, was th this year was the most watched match in terms of peak viewership, and. It was, and this includes co-streamers, by the way, and it was down over 100,000 peak viewers from last year, the same matchup on the same day, week one, day three, where it wasn't even the most viewed match. It was FlyQuest versus EG was the, the most viewed match of the first weekend last How year. How the fuck was that? Yeah, what? <laughs> I think it may have been because of the Jose Deodo and, and the Latin American stream. Uh, That's a possibility. I don't know. Um, How could that be more like... like <laughs> There's like it's like an extra ten thousand fans. That shouldn't be like like. To be fair, the difference was about ten thousand fans. To be fair, the difference was. I'll look it up for you right now, Don. This Tom. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, how how was it? E.G. LCS summer. Um. So, oh no, it was the second most watched. So the the most watched match was actually C9 versus TL. Okay, that makes uh, sense. Last year, but it was only about six thousand peak difference. So both weekends, C9 versus TL. Yes, they were on the same day. Uh, oh. C9 versus TL. And it probably was just the start of the next game, if I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Um, okay. But that both matches, sense. C9 versus TL, and the difference in peak viewership was over 100,000. It was 149,000 for this this day, this summer, this match. And it was 262,000 uh, last year. So, nice. That's a, Going well. <laughs> going great <laughs> well i mean you gotta, you gotta remember dude it's still like 
they got they need some time see the reason why the lcs was dropping viewership was because of all these co-streamers being so negative all the time so now that co-streaming is only on you know select weeks that means that the majority of the weeks aren't co-streamed so Riot can control the narrative and they can really like push all Look their dumb. talent and everything um, um into making a more successful league i want lcs to die so i don't have to watch it anymore so i am i am 100 percent behind the, these these changes i mean uh, i would like you... lcs to live like because i literally <laughs> just get paid to watch it like it sounds like it's a pretty fucking good deal for me you know <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it would be really nice if you know we, we were still in in 2020 if we were two years ago where my before i got banned where i was getting 25k viewers that, that was pretty that was pretty okay i'm, I'm down to go back to that <laughs> well i'm i'm plugging it now if you want the good old days of league the the mockumentary players on paramount plus was very funny the first episode is one of the funniest things i've seen ever just because of how well it depicts what it's like to be on a team so you want some good old days of league of legends go go get paramount plus and go watch, again uh, i have lived in this that. world for 20 years i literally in my free time do not want to spend more time watching idiot professional players which are the worst part of being in esports i like the competition but i could do without all of that shit and at the end of the day when i'm done with esports i'm not like Yep, let me just watch some more of the worst part of esports. That's surely going to entertain me. I'll it, skip it. But but they, <laughs> they they got it pretty accurately. The first episode, the first I'm just episode. Telling you, yeah, I'm glad you enjoy it. I hope other people enjoy it. I'm just saying why I would not enjoy it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, final, final thing about LCS that we wanted to hit. We got to see the first bit of Maple uh, and support Mia for TSM uh not quite as successful as they wanted to be kicking off but they do know coach chowie and the rest of tsm know that this is a very similar to kind of like what we were saying about uh cloud nine they're now getting together and they're trying to gel together uh what did you make of maple's debut here in the lcs for the whole first week i mean this team what do you expect for them it, it, it is it is objectively better than their team last split but I think you see that they haven't now what's going to be interesting to track is the following. Do they, are they playing this way because they haven't had time to gel or are they blind picking rumble and trying to play the same rumble Jarvan comps that they played last stage because they think it's good because if it's, if it's the latter, they're going to be in real fucking trouble. Um, if it is, the former, then hopefully they will move away from some of these comp selections that they have made um, and find a style that works for them. Uh, Maple is obviously a ridiculous upgrade for them in the mid lane. Mia, I don't I haven't seen enough to know exactly what was going on. It's not like support play was a was a shining star for them in the last split. So probably couldn't be worse, I would say. Uh, but is this team realistically going to have a great performance? The ceiling is probably higher, but not high enough to compete with many of the other top teams within this league. So I guess I don't even really understand the point of getting Maple. Uh, it's to if try I'm being to honest, at least win some fucking games because they were so bad before that. It's like, I mean, they, they just want to at least like make playoffs. They're trying to go back to being like 2018 TSM where they just get eliminated first round. And it's like, oh, okay. You know, like that 
used to be the the worst part of their their history now that's what they're aiming for i mean but you're just not like i don't know you're not winning anything with tactical unless he starts actually playing better it's so weird because i, I mean like, I, I watch it tactical is good the tactical tactical is by the way my dog of the week i can't watch i can't watch these games where he has flash and e up on ezreal and then just gets caught out and dies like over and over again i mean it was it was not a good performance um and I, for me, I just don't understand the point of even spending money on Maple. Like, it's just a bad business decision. Like, what, what, in what I mean, how universe? much money did they actually have to spend on him, though? Like, I'm, I'm sure his bio wasn't cheap. From anyone's legend? I, why, why would you give him for free to, to TSM? I mean, I just feel like he, he wasn't getting, I mean, I, I know what he was getting paid in, um, in Flash Wolves and like, oh, well, it, it that, that's very different. Yeah. He yeah. was getting paid nothing in Flash Wolves, but I don't know if he was getting paid nothing in LPL. And even if he was getting paid nothing in LPL, if they thought they could wring money out of TSM, they may have, you know, taken him for a ride. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, I just think that it would be just like significant. It's not like a sword art type thing where they're spending a fucking like massive bag. Like I would be very surprised if he's if Maple is one of like the top ten paid players in this league. So. I just think that he just didn't have a ton of, of like crazy good options. You know, like he, he was somebody who tried to make the, like every time he's gone to LPL, it's hurt his career. He went to LPL two years ago, looked bad. He was on a bottom team then went back to flash wolves, looked good again. Okay. He goes into anyone's legend um, who used to be rogue warriors. He essentially was benched. Like forge was, was the person that was getting most of the time anyway. So I feel like, you know, he, he's just not someone who had a really good setup, to be honest. Like, I mean, I don't think that he he was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it makes sense for him to go from a like bot. He was a sub on a bottom LPL team and then he went to, to TSM. So I feel like TSM just they got a player that's going to be serviceable and they're trying to just not be complete shit. That's it. Yeah, uh, maybe it's one of those things where the, the new. I just think you should just be complete shit as a business decision. That's all. He should. Uh, right. I, I think it's just one of those things where you got to make the investors happy. TSM have investors now, big boy investors. And it's like, why are we at the bottom table? Can't be at the bottom table. Uh, but uh, all right. Well, I guess I'll, we'll I'll see, say, I mean, I've, I said this on stream. I'll say it again. The team was better when Reggie was verbally abusing everyone. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> that is objectively true. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not advocating for it. I'm just saying that this is my observation, just completely neutral third party observation. Just I've been watching and, I can say that they were better when they were being verbally abused. Allegedly. Uh, the, Allegedly. the team was also better when uh, Peter Zhang wasn't taking handouts to put players on the roster, though. So these things might be connected in some way. Uh, mm. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, all right. Okay. I thought he was taking handouts for a while, you know? I, I don't know how long he was taking handouts. Like, he might have won a championship with that, to be honest. Who knows? Jesus. All right. Uh, that is week one of LCS there. Let's turn our focus to another league that had their first week. The one that uh, a lot of our fans will be happy about. Let's, let's, let's focus in on the LEC. Uh, LEC started with the return of, uh, Niski coming on in and he gets his first win. And wow, are you telling top. me that Niski is a better player than Reeker? I, I surely saying... you jest, Deacon. Surely you jest. <laughs> I am saying it was a great debut for Niski, and I will always be a fan of Niski because I think that was my first interview in the LCS. I think he was on 
uh, Envy at that time. So uh, congrats, Niski. Welcome back. Uh, but G2 on top, Fnatic, Mad Lions, Excel, and Astralis all in that second place tie at two and ones. Uh, Team BDS with the best Baron leash of all time. Uh, there's, there's a lot to dive into. Let's start there. What the fuck was that? Vitality would have, we're about to lose and they just straight <laughs> leashed Baron and walked ran away, away from it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the worst that Baron decision of all time. That was actually <laughs> shocking. I Dude, like, look, you can't say anything about coaching when that was just, that just showed how fucking bad the BDS players instincts are for this game. They have yeah. no natural instincts for like, you, so you're you, like, you can't, you, you actually that. as a coach are completely powerless in that situation because if, if players do that, it all hope is lost, right? There, there is no like fire. Anybody who made that call instantly fire, fire everybody who followed that call. Uh, if, if the whole that team's is not okay. <laughs> Or would you shed a tear? Synchroff is maybe the only good no. player. Literally, I would say, academy team, you're coming up. We're swapping. Yeah. That's I actually would fair. play the full fucking academy team. I don't like. I, I would do that too. Actually, I, I actually think it would be better. I, I like Adam Crowney. I mean, there's nothing that showed me that Aggressivo is like some some really insane LEC ready player. You know, e even when I was watching him in finals, like of uh, of LFL, I was not super impressed by Aggressivo. Um, so yeah, I mean, to be honest, like even though they're fucking like I've been watching LFL, their academy team is struggling, but I've never seen anything that fucking bad in a tier one league. I've never seen anything even close to that disgusting fucking Baron call that they did. Like the Barons have 1400 really HP and they're turning. It, it was so gross. It, it made me actually just so fucking angry inside <laughs> seeing this. And, and when I see that, it just, I feel so fucking bad for grabs because there is no coaching players that are that naturally bad at league of legends like these are just instinct things like you should know as a as as a team the baron's too fucking low we got to just kill the fucking baron like we have to flip it like if we want to go into review and figure out oh well we shouldn't have flipped it in this situation so be it you know then you then you go through that call but you've already committed to the flip like you've gotten baron to 1400 hp smite does 900 base like smite does 900 you cannot turn at 1400 hp especially when they're damaging it over the wall that's just crazy. Like, it just made me so sick of watching BDS. I actually don't understand. Like, I, I, I yeah, I just, I, I don't get it. <laughs> there's just nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing that I can say about this. Like, I don't understand how Crown Shot is on their academy team and is not in this team instead of X-Mavi. Yeah, I, I don't know who's making He's literally, you have him on a contract, just fucking put him in. He's way better. Expedi is just not it. It's like so obvious he's not it. He did the Zion, king, baby. bro. He did the king. He walked into the victor for no reason and killed himself. He killed himself for no reason in game. Like, please bench him. Like, we've seen, you know, this is how you know, this is how you know that Expedi's fucking bad. All right. This is how you know Expedi's fucking bad. They draft Senna Sion. And instead of having, having Expedi play the Senna, they have Expedi playing the fucking Sion. That's how you know. Like, why would you want your AD carry playing the Scion? It makes no sense. Why, why would you want? Why would you want your AD? You wouldn't want the AD carry to play the AD carry champion with like the AD carry mechanics that's gonna have to perform like an AD carry, and then just have the support fucking farm. Maybe misses ten CS because he's support main. He has no hands. Maybe misses ten CS on the Scion. Great, you're down ten CS on the side. Like, 
who the fuck cares? Like, play Senna on your AD carry. Watch anyone else do these Senna combos, man. Like, please. Unless you have fucking carry on your team or something. But even carry is not even playing the Senna when they're when they're fucking running Senna, Senna, Yasuo, and all this shit. Um, but you get the fucking point. Like, have your AD carry play the Senna. It's so weird, man. It's so weird watching BDS. All right. Thanks, BDS. Uh, I hate BDS. The, uh... I hate them. I hate that team. <laughs> you know what? You know what's also funny is like they still have limit on this roster, and limit and Crownshot have experience playing together, and you could literally just reunite that lane. Like I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I I don't get it. Good luck, grabs. Uh, the best coaching work that he'll have to do, or managing work if he's able to get the. There's no coaching. There. There's no co like. What are you supposed to do? Like, am I supposed to like go into review? It's like okay, so uh, <laughs> yeah, when you're like doing the Baron, and when like they can clearly steal the Baron, like you want to at least give yourself a chance to fucking get the Baron. Like, what the fuck are you supposed <laughs> yeah, to do? Exactly. It, I feel so bad for Grabs actually. <laughs> Guys, so uh, you want to make sure that um, when you're doing Baron, you're aware of the HP. Like turning off Baron isn't a bad thing, but you can't turn at this this level of HP. Like, shut the fuck up. Like you can't do you can't do anything with these types of players. You can't do anything. Like it's doomed. I've seen enough. <laughs> it's irredeemable at this point. Relegate uh, BDS. Pr replace with yeah. Carbine Corp. Holy. Yep. That yes, would please explode the league. That'd be great. Um, okay, uh, I'm trying to think. Where do we go after BDS? Let's 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 cleanse the palate here. G two, G two, back on top. Uh, no MSI hangover for them, along with EG, both three nos. Uh, and they look dominant here. Was it you, Dom, that tweeted out the the no hangover and Caps is just clapping everyone again? Yeah. I mean, I didn't yeah. expect it. Like, I, I thought G2 would still be an absolute top team, but they literally got three days of practice because like, I watched Jankos' stream and he he didn't even get back to the gaming house until like three days before they actually go on stage and actually and have to play. And it's a massive patch. I mean, I thought that these teams that had been scrimming for a while would be able to beat them, but I guess they're just too fucking good. I guess Caps on stage, Caps with stage buff is, is too insane. So, hey, good stuff for G2. Like, they're definitely going to be at minimum top two in this region. Well, I didn't know how much quality practice a lot of the European teams were getting. Uh, Excel went on a Korean boot camp, and I think that it's certainly showing. Like, they, they played really well, and then probably the most anticipated match of the week, given the way the teams were performing, and Excel's dominant wins was going to be G2 versus Excel, and Caps just went Super Saiyan and clapped everybody in the game. Just fucking them up. Yeah, I mean, he was great on the RE and so it was it was unfortunately a much more one-sided game than we would have liked but Excel seems to be really comfortable in this meta seems like a great meta for Nuke Duck overall um and it seems like they have done very well as a result of their boot camp so it's exciting to watch this team that was doing doing better once they put Mickey X on the roster and seems to be on the up and up overall even if we didn't get to see the hyper competitive game because Caps decided to pop off uh, against G2 Oh, well, we'll see. They have a tough uh, matchup coming up next week. First game on Friday, they have to play against BDS. So we'll see. <laughs> it's a real test. God, uh, I hate BDS. <laughs> the problem with BDS is they like make they make one game guaranteed unwatchable every single day of LEC. <laughs> There's one game that just they just fucking ruin. Really? I feel like you get if you since you you like LCS because it makes you money. I feel like you uh, reacting uh, oh to BDS games also makes you money. 
uh well number one i can only live view so it's it's less money by default there but then also like sometimes bds depresses me to the point where i literally stop talking on stream and i'm just like a quiet fucking husk slouched over in my chair <laughs> just, just, just not uttering a word for 10 minutes straight like that's what it does to me it's rough out well, here man uh, g2 and Fnatic both play bds next week so guaranteed ultra claps coming yeah, in guaranteed husky boy husky boy about to be on stream <laughs> well you know at least at least in those games you maybe get to watch a, a strong team just have their way with bds so those are those are more interesting those are more interesting yeah. games but that's not whatever what, like the problem with bds is that they invent new ways to lose every game like they don't lose by just getting shit on because their players suck. Like they'll they'll normally get leads. Like I bet you they fucking if you looked at eight minutes, what their goal difference and goal differential and experience differential is, I'm assuming they're up like at least half the time. They just make sure they always throw. Like it doesn't matter how they throw. They fought a four v five on Dragon without TP. Where it's like, what season are we in? Because in season four we fucking knew this shit. When I was playing in season two, we literally just knew the basics of hey, if we're gonna fight the whole enemy team, we need to have our team here. Like that was it. Like, I don't care how it gets done. We didn't know which waves to go on, like how many ways to push top, like when to base, whatever. It's just like, if we're going to fight, we need to be here as, as five. It's season 12. They're not, they're fighting a straight up four V five before it. Like they're engaging the four V five. It's not like they were there as four and they're waiting for their top laner. They get caught. No, they, they, they opt into the four V five. They're like, we want to lose. We will lose here. Then they, they invented the Baron throw, the, the worst Baron throw of all time. It's just so crazy. Like they actually are such a disgusting, filthy team. I hate them so much. Like, I really I, I'm enjoying your rants. Wow. No, I'm the level of vitriol is quite shocking. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen you do that before at that level. I, mm, I'll, I'll, I'll think about it uh, as we talk about a, a, another team. I mean, it, it, it's just so hard to fucking watch. Like it just makes everyone mad. Like, look at the Reddit thread. Look <laughs> at the Reddit thread afterwards. <laughs> no one's invested in BDS. It's just such, like, it's so hard to fucking watch. It's like, please, like, stop ruining the fucking league. Please, man. <laughs> Have some respect. <sighs> uh, um, Rogues 1 and 2. Do we, do we want to go there? Or do we want to go talk about... <laughs> Fnatic or Vitality? Where are we going next, Dom? I mean, Rogue's luck lucky to be 1 and 2. Really yeah, Rogue should have been zero three. Well, I mean, so okay, look, well, I, I've got one statement for Rogue. All right, I've tweeted it before. Rogue realized that doing really well in the regular season leads to choking in playoffs, but you can't <laughs> choke in playoffs if you don't make it to playoffs. So <laughs> trying to they're trying a new approach. They're just gonna run. I, it I thought their the approach was. I, I think their approach is instead of dominating the regular season and and kind of underwhelming in playoffs, they should underwhelm in the regular season, barely make playoffs, and then win. That's the strat now. It's the reverse razor cake. I mean, that's not, that sounds so much harder than than not making playoffs. Think about this: like, you gotta you gotta take the player angle, right? If you're if you're going to just go to Worlds and get shit on, you literally like there's not really that. Like I've I've been there. I went to Worlds and got shit on. It it doesn't feel that good. You have to play an extra like two and a half months where you can literally just get paid vacations starting like like early august or some shit like it's like august 15th you get paid vacation until january 15th five months of just paid vacation to run it down and think about it from the rogue perspective 
they've all done well enough in their careers that even if they have a horrible split, someone's going to take a risk on them, right? Like they've built up enough like innate value that they're all guaranteed LEC players for, for a while. So this is the perfect also, time. Just phone it in, coast, you know. Just also, Odo Omne is the only one with a contract that ends this year. I just looked it up. So in that, all of them are safe, right? They're just going to keep getting paychecks no matter what happens at the end of this year. Holy, it's a strat. Obviously, I'm joking, but yeah, they look like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, I mean, they looked they looked rough, but I mean, I'm I'm sure they'll be they'll be fine. Like, they'll, they'll I'm not worried about this team. Yeah, they'll be fine. Though the way that you said that, Dom, it reminded me of like the uh, Captain America detention team uh, detention meme. So you made it to Worlds, but you're gonna get shit on. <laughs> well, they also had a hard schedule. I mean, they played yeah. they played Mad Lions, G2, and Fnatic. Yeah, this week and next week they'll have Misfits and Astralis, those, those, which is much those, more manageable. Those are my top four teams, by the way. Like, I mean, I think everyone has those as top four. Bro, I mean, some people are are hit or miss on Mad Lions before the split. Like, I just think Niski is fucking insane. Like, I think he's so good for a team, especially for Mad Lions, because he was literally just like he was just humanoid light when humanoid was in God mode. Just did this had the same chair. They were both playing fucking TF. They both know how to side lane. They both move to fucking plays. Like they both like know how to. He doesn't lane. have an ego about the game, so he actually helps his teammates a lot of the time. Like he's willing to make sacrifices. Yeah, and I want to talk about Mad. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I think what's interesting about Mad Lions too is that they're this is a team that really relied in their historical in their historical success. As as Dom's pointing out, they did have a mid laner who was active on the map, and that unlocked. Uh, Kaiser in a lot of ways too. Like if we think about Mad Lions at their best, it's when Kaiser's all over the map and and working with their jungler, whether that was Shadow or, or El Yoya. And when they had this priority vacuum in the mid lane named Reeker, they didn't really have the same level of agency that they had had previously and it changed their style. And I think it made Kaiser, who has always been a really good support, look much worse than he was, even if he was... I would say he was having an individual slump to a certain degree at the time, but he's just not used to playing in that way. So for me, this is a, it was a very smart pickup. It's a return to the way that Mad Lions players have historically played the game. And we're seeing them as a result, get back into form. Yeah. I, I think that it was, it's really obvious to just see, because like, you don't even need to see comms. Just look at how Mad Lions is playing. Like, when did you see Mad Lions with Reeker? Like, actually go in and contest fucking, like, pink wards in the enemy jungle at, like, five, four or five minutes. Like, bring four people and just start, like, scrapping over a fucking pink ward. You can see that Niski is calling for a lot of the action because he's always the one that's moving first. Like, you can tell why the action is happening by what happens. So, go look at the second game they played when he's, when he's on Swain. And go look at what they do. It's like, oh, he wants a raptor ward. He just starts fighting the enemy jungler over a fucking pink ward at the Raptors. He just walks in and just starts fighting. And it's so easy to see somebody like big dicking the game and just follow up on it. You know, like it's so nice for El Yoya and Kaiser to not actually have to figure out what, what do we have to do this, this moment and be like, Oh, you know what? Like this guy is, is taking responsibility for this play. He wants to fight for the pink ward. Like he thinks he's stronger now. Cool. I'm here with you. Like, let's fight. I think that it's so, so good for this team. They look so much better instantly. And I think that they're only going to get better from here. So they obviously they have, also should like, be three games. Obviously, like they yes. were dominating Rogue in that game before Karzi managed to steal Elder Dragon with an Ezreal ult. Right, like that was a freak, 
fringe incident, and they completely played better in 99% of that game. Yeah, and they didn't even have, like, a super good draft either, so they were, they were like, kind of outdrafted, and they were just outplaying Rogue, and then they just made a mistake, and everything collapsed. But, yeah, I don't care about those types of games, because at the end of the day... Those games are easy to shrug off, because you're just like, well, we know what we did wrong. Look at all the things we did right in this well, they, game. They, they feel like even though they feel really bad at the end, you like start looking at it. You the reason why it feels bad is because you know you're so much better than than the team yeah. that you just played. Like yeah. you were just beating them for you. You did so much better. You did ninety percent of the game better than them. Ninety five. You got, like a, you got like a twenty sub twenty five minute soul in that game too, right? If I remember correctly, and they're in and they're and winning they're, every yeah, fight. Yeah. They, yeah. So those are the games where I'm like, yeah, they're like bad lines are. are playing pretty fucking well so yeah i'm excited about them and i just think it's nice that like this is probably the only time in Re in um in niski's career where him replacing reeker actually people were positive about the roster move this is the first time in his career when he joined splice everyone was negative about him joining splice when he joined c9 everyone was like why are we getting niski instead of jensen we're getting a fourth place eu mid instead of jensen no one was happy about that when he went to fanatic Everyone was shitting on him. Like everyone was like, "What the fuck? This is the roster move that we're getting." Because you got to remember, he it was after it was after the Cloud Nine collapse. They ended up getting fourth place, not even going to Worlds. Then he joins joins Fnatic, and the whole argument that everyone had was that he was ruining the league. He was ruining LEC because now Fnatic could not actually compete with G two anymore, and G two is just going to stomp everyone because the only two teams that are competitive, G two and Fnatic, and you know, Fnatic just got weaker. They lost their AD to G two, and obviously, uh, they in the community's perception, downgraded their mid. But this is the first time where, where it seems like people actually have Niski's back. They're like, oh shit, like he's actually good. Holy fuck. Crazy. Yeah, hoping uh, more success there as they continue on. Um, let's go to the, we were talking about super teams coming together in North America with TL. Let's check in with Vitality over here in uh, the LEC. Uh, how do you feel? Uh, their experiment is going after the first week. Uh, two and one uh, was Vitality. Yeah, I mean, it's well, not looking super good. <laughs> <laughs> not looking that good. I, I, I will. Uh, Dom, Dom's gonna be. Dom's definitely gonna be really negative, and I, I think. So, they probably should have lost that game to BDS. <laughs> yeah, uh, but. If I'm going to look at it in a positive light, I think most of my criticisms around Vitality last split were that they showed really poor early game synergy and that they didn't seem to have any idea, like they were not communicating with each other or seeming to have any idea about wave states and like where they could make plays on the map early. Um, and at least in the Misfits game, I saw better coordination between Alfari and his jungler than I saw for most of last split um, with Haru's invades. I think that they played again. Misfits, I do not think is a good team, but I think that one positive sign is that they seemed better coordinated and more proactive in that game than in most of the other games that I've seen. And we know that Vitality was sometimes able to out team fight or play in the late game effectively last split. And that was typically how they got their wins, but it was because they were digging themselves out of massive early game holes, which were just very bad mistakes that professional teams shouldn't make. 
So I did see some positive signs. That would be that would be my take on it. Uh, I don't think this team is going to win LEC, especially because there are. It looks like there's a lot of strength across many of these rosters. Like Mad Lions and Excel both look better, and I think Rogue will get back into form. So I think it's going to be a harder split to do well in. But I do think Vitality does look slightly better right now. Yeah, I mean, they played against the two, what look like the two worst teams in the league right now, which are BDS and Misfits. So, and they, they look like they were going to lose to um, to yes. BDS, honestly. And then the game versus Mad Lions, like I thought that they should have just been doing a lot better considering that, uh, I mean, they had like matchups that you would think would be good. I mean, Azir versus versus Silas, like you'd think that the Silas would at least be down some CS and would have less freedom in the game. But yeah, I don't really know how to uh, how to view um, Vitality right now because like they, they are two and one in a week where they like they lost the only game that they probably should have had the ability to lose. And yeah, and I mean, now they're playing against XL next week. I think they looked a lot worse than XL. So I, I would expect them to lose that match. Um, and then they play against G2 and I would expect them to lose that match as well. So like, I mean, I, I guess they're just a solid like middle of the pack team, like a sixth place team or something like that. I mean, it's definitely bad results if you compare it to what the super team should be. If you're a super team, you got to at least be going to worlds like that's minimum minimum for a super team, you know? Yeah, I think I think if you talk about the expense of this roster, the value is very bad in terms of win per dollar as opposed to Mad Lions and Excel, which are clearly getting better value per dollar spent. Right. Yeah. And you got to also remember, like, like they paid a fuck ton. Like they oh, paid yeah. a fuck ton for this roster. I yep. mean, you've heard it, right? Like perks literally C9 didn't lose money on the perks thing. Like the buyout that Vitality paid is what C9 paid. So they're paying this fucking insane buyout for, for perks and like, Dude, they were they were literally sixth place in summer last year. They went to five games with Fnatic that ended up going on the run. So, like, how bad does that feel if you put together this super team? You invest so much more money, and then you end up with middling, like you end up sixth place again. That would be really, really depressing. So gotta hope that that, uh, that isn't the case. I mean, I, I don't know if Bo is ever gonna play for the team this split. From what I've heard, it might be next split that he actually ends up playing, yeah. but maybe that's the saving grace because. If that guy is anything like 2021 Bo, guy's a fucking freak. Like I've never seen anything like that. That's that's the reported plan here for Vitality 2023. Bo takes over the starting spot. So Haru kind of a bridge uh, for now. Um, we don't know if it's because they wanted away. We don't know if there's like some sort of shadow ban, something that hasn't been spoken or a visa thing. But uh, as as you guys have all said very expensive roster because this original roster with uh, self-made on it uh, signed a two-year deal so 2024 is when the contracts all end and then they had to get a or is that three year can i do math 22 23 24 three-year deal um so you're 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 you know thanks self-made you, you played one out of the six splits you signed for but now you're on the hook for it so um all right Closing thoughts here on the LEC before we turn the next chapter. Uh, for LEC. Uh, 
we could we could talk. I mean, we we said Excel looks pretty good, but we could talk a little bit about Astralis because they ended up. Yeah, let's okay. talk about Chachi in the top lane. Make it. I return. think I think this is this is smart roster construction. Uh, I don't think Xerxes was like the main problem with. I think Immortals had a bazillion problems last split, and Xerxes was. I don't think he was performing particularly badly given the extenuating circumstances around the construction of that Immortals roster and their coaching massive disaster changes and their GM leaving and then this team performing very badly and them having all kinds of bot lane issues. So I think if if Xerxes going to I think it's smart because you probably got him on a pretty good deal. And you can reunite him with former teammates and Chachi and Kabe. So at least they have some understanding and synergy, uh, you know, understanding of how they want to play together in synergy. Um, I was not familiar with Jung Hoon as a player, but he's looked pretty good. So I would say Australis couldn't be worse, right? So why not try and get some of the old splice boys together and see if you can create something, take a risk on a young Korean support player and, I don't think that they are going to be a playoff team, but I do think they are a lot better, right? They they couldn't be worse with the level, level of veterancy that they added to this squad. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I thought Chachi's lading looked really fucking bad, to be honest. Like, I I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sold on Chachi. Um, I watched a few LFL games. I can't say I watched every single one, but I never thought that he was a standout in LFL. Like, I thought that there was probably five top leaders that were all better than him um within lfl like maybe even more than five that were better than him in in lfl so for me i i don't know i feel like this this roster got a couple easy wins but i don't think that they're going to be able to get that much better from where they are um i mean they beat bds and misfits so I, I i mean i wouldn't read too much into it but i just don't think they're the 10th place team anymore yeah i think that they might be the ninth place team now <laughs> I think they, they I, like, I would be surprised if they're able to beat Misfits the second time around. I, I think, don't know, man. I, I'm really low on Misfits right now. Yeah, I'm pretty low on them as well. I think they're like, I think this meta eight. is really bad for them. I think, I think this is like not what you want to see VTO on. Like, I just don't, I, there, there are several, there, there are a lot of factors with, with Misfits. But first off, Misfits shouldn't have won a lot of the games that they won. They're like reverse Immortals. Like Immortals lost games that they should have won uh, realistically last split. And Misfits won a lot of games that they really had no business winning. And it's like some some splits you're going to come up on the winning or losing end of a lot of these kind of coin flips or like you just get lucky when you have 10% win chances in and you hit them all in like three games then you win three games that you should have lost. Or you lose three games that you should have won. And I, I felt that way about Misfits, but also the mechanisms which allowed them to come back in terms of VTO's ability to play some of these assassins in which he was able to take wins on is not there anymore. And then also, even though here it was pretty bad last split, I, do you really get rid of him? Because like I would have I would have just assumed he had an off split considering he was he was pretty good last year, but instead they replace him with their academy player and also misfits i'm not sure they really have a lot of motivation to succeed like vto is out of his contract at the end of this split and you could make an argument that he really cares about his individual performance in order for to get a new a good new contract but he's coming off such a dominant spring performance that he's going to get a big contract no matter what 
he could be bad this split, and I don't think it really matters. So I, I think I think Misfits is is really not going to do well. I would I would I would put my faith in Astralis before I put my faith in this version of Misfits roster. Yeah, I just think that Astralis is too bad in lane. To be honest, like their like their laning is so bad that eventually, once you start getting any semblance of uh, like cohesion, you start you know really ironing out how you want to play these fights. Um, and like what things you actually want to contest. I just think that it's so easy for Misfits to be better than Astralis. I mean, look at how Chachi played top lane, man. Like look at some of these lanes. Like look at the Scion game, the Scion game that he played versus Jax. Oh my God. Like you're literally, you can't play that lane any worse, right? Like you really can't play that lane worse. Well, he got soul killed twice by Jax, like pre six. That is so detrimental to your team that it's almost like, it's almost impossible for your team to come back. Like it's it's actually that bad. It's so horrible. So I don't know. I, I don't even think that it's gonna be a thing where he's gonna be able to improve that much at, at Lady. I mean, he took just a while off. Like it's just hard. You take two years off and you actually don't play the game, like it takes a while to get back to being a pro laner, and then everyone's just better now. You know, like you think about when the last time he played in LEC, right? 2019, I guess. Um, was it 2019 or 2020? No, I think it was 2019 splice, right? That's a long time ago. That's uh that's tough. Really, really hard to to get back into that form. See if I can find that. But uh yeah, it was yeah. 2019. Although that was the splice ro roster that went to worlds. Yeah. But I mean, like he wasn't even super good at laning when he was with that roster. Like he had his like he was no, the humanoid was the star of that. Humanoid was the star of that roster. Right. Um, I don't know. I think it's tough. All right. Well, we'll see if they can stay out of the bottom feeding and uh, how far up how far up the uh, leaderboard they can stay before they start their uh, sink down towards the bottom for Astralis. Uh, okay. We got the Western regions down. Those were our first weeks for the Western regions, but wasn't the first week for uh, the LCK and LPL. And no. let's start well, on it, over. It was the first what? week for LCK. Was it? Let's be clear. Yes. Oh, <laughs> my bad. But it was, it was the, the first week, week, but it started. The third week. Third week for LPL. There we go. Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know. They call it week three, but it, I mean, there's essentially been a week. So it started on the 10th, right? So, so they had two complete weeks. Oh, I see. Yeah, because they didn't yeah. play. Yeah, yeah, So they didn't actually have... They had, they've had 10 weeks, days. Yeah. yeah, they've had 10 days, and then it's just like week two started in the middle of week one. Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. So Yeah. They... Well, for for our fans at home, there's been however many games that the LCS went. One, five, 15, 15. games uh, yeah. for for LPL. They've already hit like 40... 40 something 45 yeah, and they always play fucking more games because they play yeah. every single day and they play up to six games a day so <clears throat> it's a pretty lot. good fucking so. region hey all, all i'm saying is by far the best region to watch the best viewing experience like it's literally the best region it's the most aggressive region there's the most good teams in the region so there's the lowest amount of shit games in the region. like I, I literally don't know why more people are watching lpl where should they watch it then watch it on the fucking mainstream i don't even want you in my in my fucking chat all right watch it on the mainstream. just watch it get the watch fuck the vods out. watch the fucking vods i don't care just literally watch it you will like it it is enjoyable to watch even the stomps are enjoyable because at least when a team is getting stomped they still fight like they actually try to play the game so hey i'm saying people should uh invest themselves in the lpl it's a good investment right. well 
so there are a ton of matches, uh, and we're not quite at Worlds prep yet. So, Dom, why don't you give us an LPL update on some of the biggest matches, some of the biggest storylines, and then uh, what to watch for. Uh, we'll, we'll wait for what to watch for, but some of the biggest matches, storylines, roster moves. Uh, biggest matches. Okay, so coming up, we have a couple big ones. I mean, it will have already occurred when this video goes live, but well, we're shooting it right now. It's 8 p.m. Central Time on a uh, on a Monday. So uh, Tuesday, which will be tomorrow, uh, it'll be before this goes live. We have uh, RNG versus Weibo, which is huge. Obviously, the shy um, is just he is a filthy, filthy inter. He does disgusting things sometimes, but. He's hilarious to watch. There's almost no one as fun to watch as the shy and Weibo's still a good team. You know, they were top six in LPL, which is an accomplishment. Top six out of 17 teams. When you have all these crazy good teams for reference, that was higher than EDG placed last year, uh, last split, obviously world champions, same roster. They literally didn't even make top six. They play against RNG and V five plays against FPX. Then the day after that, there's top first BLG, um, and then on Friday, there's actually uh, there's actually a couple of interesting matches. So for me, one of the the storylines that I've found um, pretty interesting is is Ultra Prime. So Ultra Prime is uh, essentially just a team of misfits. It was a bunch of benched players essentially. You had Elk who actually came over from WE. Um, you had Cryon who was benched from RNG, and then you had Zoom who played for who was supposed to go to top esports. It was this massive storyline. Um, he was one of the best top laners in LPL for. Um, all of 2020, super good, like weak side top player, could play all the tanks, could play like Renekton well. He just was that guy that was super stable in the top lane. And he got benched for Wayward, who was a rookie, who they just moved up from Academy. And now Ultra Prime is actually looking pretty good in, in LPL so far. Like pretty good, meaning they're not a bottom team that's not going to make playoffs. I think they're probably going to make playoffs like an eighth or 10th team. Um, but yeah, I mean, outside of just the individual teams, I think the most interesting part about it is just that... Uh, you have so many unique styles. Like you see so many different champions. Like if you're a fan of even streamers, like Agarin started this ghost Kazakhs conquer, uh, build in Korean solo queue, uh, way, way played against it. He pulled it out in LPL actually smurfed on it. So it's just really interesting to see all, all the, the meta picks that they play and then all the counters to the meta picks that they play because they're really willing to commit to a lot of the, the counters. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just the, I'm just the LPL merchant, man. I think uh, I think people that invest time into it generally enjoy what they see. I love it, the LPL merchant. Uh, a couple questions off the top of my head. Uh, one of the big storylines coming into the spring was that Uzi had come back to Billy Billy Gaming. He was going to split time with Daga, who was one of the best players that we got to see over at Worlds in 2021. That's not the case anymore, right? That is Dago's spot for Billy Billy, yeah. Yeah, Uzi is gone. Like straight up off the team streamer, not not gonna play one competitive match. He played a couple matches. He like subbed into a couple um games. They they essentially never won um with him. The team didn't look much better. Uh, so they're committing to to Doggo. But yeah, BLG's been having been having a rough go of it. Uh, they just lost two zero to uh anyone's legend, who's former Rogue Warriors, which was a perennial bottom team. They're always like between like thirteenth and seventeenth um in LPL. Besides for when like do and be played for them back in 2018 or some shit. Uh, so Rogue Warriors have been rough for a while. That was the team that Maple's on. He was a uh, he was benched from it. Um, but yeah, they just got two owed by them. So we'll have to see how long it will take BLG to actually get back into form. But they're expected to be a good team. And the the interesting thing about that team is that Icon, who went to Worlds with LNG, 
has now joined BLG and it's unclear whether he's going to be the starter or whether he's going to be splitting time, but he is now on that team, uh, presumably scrimming with them and uh, probably they're going to look to incorporate him in some way because the team is struggling so much. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, former PCS players in this. So uh, as you were bringing up, uh, the player that Icon might be replacing, Fofo, familiar, right? Familiar face mm -hmm. there. And then as well as, uh, I think you brought up uh, anyone's, anyone's legend. legend. Yeah, that's Betty in the mid lane, right? Or Betty, uh, Betty's on that squad as well. Betty as has the AD carry, yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yep. So uh, a lot of pilfering the talent pools of the PCS former LA, uh, LMS. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, Monty, anything else that you wanted to ask our LPL merchant for our LPL merchant sec segment? <laughs> yeah. Why is JDG doing so? JDG and LNG doing so well right now? Why? Why? So LNG is not actually doing that well. They're, they have like they're, they've had some fraudulent fucking games. Uh, Doombee's playing pretty well, but that team is nowhere close to as good as you'd expect when you see the roster put together. I mean, most people... Oh, I see. They uh, play bad teams, too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's strength <laughs> of schedule, but even in the games they played, they did not look good. So, okay. LNG, um, there's a weird team, right? Because you, you'd think that LNG without Icon, Icon was considered the worst player on the team. He was under he, he was uh, underrated by people. He actually wasn't bad. He had a bad world, but he wasn't bad with an LPL. But Doombee was like the god of LPL last summer. He was by far the best player, MVP, like just it felt yeah, like he was, he was literally 11-0 every single game on everything he picked. That's how it felt watching him. It was like, holy fuck, what is he going to pick next? He got like pentakills and shit. It was just crazy. And obviously, FPX was the number one team, so they were just the best team. Um, and he was the best player on that team. So everyone th thought that LNG would easily just be like top three, like just be essentially what FPX was. Hasn't been the case. They've never really clicked. I mean, it feels like they all take turns being bad at different times. So super, super strange team, but I guess they're doing, they're doing well now. Um, JDG has like a very definitive style. I feel like they all just know their roles on the team. Um, but to me, I feel like JDG is like very capped. Like they're not going to be much better than they are, but they have a style, you know, essentially three, six, nine is generally a weak side top laner. They just have him you know, on an island and they play to get Kanavi ahead. Yagao has always been good at playmakers. That's been his thing. He was essentially a Zoe LeBlanc uh, two trick way back in the day. I mean, obviously he played other things, but he was so much better on Zoe LeBlanc um, than anything else. And it feels like that team is actually just, they're just solid in, in, in general. They, they make pretty good decisions. They execute good dives. Um, yeah. They just have like good fundamentals, um, but they just don't have that like firepower that, I believe you need to actually be top, top tier. So, um, yeah, I mean, JDG also had an impressive win. They 2-0'd EDG, and a lot of people are looking at EDG to kind of have a return to form. Uh, so we'll, we'll see on that. We'll see if they if JDG is going to continue being top, top tier or if they'll get passed up by either a Weibo or, um, yeah, even LNG, EDG, these types of teams. Great. All right. There we have it. So we will dive into some of those matches in with more specificity in next week's episode as, uh, uh, yeah, as those games play out. Uh, let's move on over to the LCK, where in Korea, there was one big move that everyone was talking about here, Monty. 
and that, of course, for Dan Juan, the return of the prodigal son coming back and hopefully being the missing piece. Uh, Nuguri coming back into the lineup. Uh, obviously, different bot land, but Canyon Showmaker Nuguri uh, completing the trifecta from mid on up. How did this week go for all of the all of the the whole region, but then also, uh, you know, Dan Juan? How did they look? Now, first off, uh, go watch my show with Wolf if you are an LCK fan, because we have an LCK specific show now where we go into more depth on all of this. But uh, with that said, uh, important to know that Dom Juan did kind of get cucked in the off season because they wanted Kana and like the Nongshim drama or whatever happened, and they couldn't get him and everybody's feelings got hurt and everybody got angry. And so they, they really did not have after that failed to occur, they really didn't have a lot of good top lane options. So they were kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel and also worth noting that, uh, Dokdam and Kelly on, on Nongshim last year were actually a pretty decent, like pretty good promising up and coming bot lane. And considering that ghost and barrels performance last year was not amazing. Like this seemed like a good, roster on paper until their top lane fell apart. So having Nogari back is actually very important to them. Uh, even with their worst roster, they probably should have been in the finals over Gen G, except for that game five, where they were unable to convert the insane massive lead that they had with Canyons Nidalee into a victory. So that was, I think, unfortunate for them and um, them not playing the most meta composition and getting punished for it because of all of the bounties that uh, were stacking up that were then received by Genji and they were able to take that win. But I will say Dom Juan at the start, they haven't had a very strong schedule yet. Like we'll get to that. That's actually very exciting for Dom Juan next week because they play both Genji and T1 in the same week, which are both must watch matches for obvious reasons. Uh, their first match against Fred at Breon, like we didn't really get to see because Nogri was just playing tanks. Then they come back against Live Sandbox and they're much more dominant in those games. And I think we see some interesting, like more carry roles from Nogri. So you actually get to see him doing well again. They seem to be powering up over the first week of competition. Their first real test is going to be this coming week. So that'll be the, the standard by which we measure them. On the whole, LCK has been pretty fucking boring, gotta say. Lots of long games with very, very, very little action, with the exception of T1 versus Nongshim Game 2, which was a clown fiesta for the ages, basically. Just really hilarious game that <laughs> T1 had no business winning. And if you guys haven't seen it, so first off, that series Elder is Dragon worth watching. Game. That's that game is that series is worth watching because game one is a very decisive game where Korea is playing Yasuo support with fasting Senna. And I, I think it's actually a kind of an interesting composition and they win that game very cleanly. And you can see T1 is trying to be a little bit more experimental in the way that they're drafting, which I think is fun. Uh, it didn't work so well when they tried to play like the uh, Callista Camille bot lane that they attempted to play against KT Rolster, which was not good. Um, but that first game against Nongshim is interesting. And the second game is just a total, total fiesta where T1 plays pretty badly in the early game, then magically gets back into it by bard portaling and steal, like sneaking a Baron at 23 minutes into the game. And then there's like three Elder Dragons that occur. Two of them are hilarious fights where 
Nongshim gets the elder dragon, but then everybody dies but Kana twice in a row. And there's like a Nar like quadra kill where he cleans up the fight, but then can't win the game because he's just a fucking Nar at the end. So it is really funny to watch that game. Um, I think as much as you you can shit on T1 for that game, I think that the only reason they won that game was because they were T1 and that they were able to figure out ways to get themselves back into that game instead of getting stomped. Yes, Nongshim had to throw the game in order for T1 to catch it, but I think that most other teams would have failed to catch that game. So it, it's entertaining at the very least. It's T1 is definitely struggling. Uh, their series against KT... They also probably should have lost. Um, they they should have probably lost at 2-0, which is also the same, the same thing we could have said the last time they faced KT uh, last split. So uh, T1 struggling, Gen.G looking pretty good, but again, weaker opponents. Um, Damwon looks a, a lot better. And the, I guess the surprise, the surprises have been DRX looking kind of good, but... I think in a in a meta where Kingen can play tanks and Deft can kind of scale up into like their team fighting has been their strength. So in if if a region is just going to handshake play passive and scale, like DRX is going to have some inherent advantages that might go away. And then on the other side of that, um like KT looked better than expected. Like I don't expect this to be a very good team contending for the title, but they might get into playoffs uh with the way that they're doing now. Aria Looked better in the second series than he did last split. We'll see if he retains the starting role or not. Cuz uh, looked better. And uh, Rascal's been really good. Like, Rascal's, Rascal's been the bright spot of KT, the consistent spot all year. Ooh, um, that, that's that's tough to hear. Look, man. Look, he's been a lot better this year, Dom. Like, I, I don't know how many KT games you've watched, but, like, he's actually been good. Uh, which shocked me as well. Uh, it shocked It shocked me as well. But I watched a couple is, games and I just saw Arya running it down completely. And I was like, wow, Jesus, I yep. guess that's the difference between LJL and, and LJK. Like, <laughs> no, I think Arya was, I, Arya had good international performances on an LJL team. So I don't know what was going on with him in spring. He was like a lot worse than expected, but Rascal was also a lot better than expected. Like I've never been a fan of Rascal up until this year. And he has had a much stronger individual performance. So if Arya can be better or if they go back to Vikla, then there is an opportunity i think for kt maybe to squeak into playoffs but that's not saying a lot right um the the upside is that while in the spring it was really really one-sided with t1 at least the the region looks a lot more competitive now and we're going to have a lot of questions answered, like I said, about Genji, Dom1, and T1 when they all play each other this next week. So that's really cool. Um, unfortunately, like the other big question is, is DRX going to be a legitimate competitor with, for, you know, a top playoff spot? And we just won't know that next week because they just play a bunch of weak, kind of mid-table or weak teams. So, yeah. Well... We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think that LCK, it might appear boring, but one thing that I've learned is that the reason why it does appear boring is because when you play perfect League of Legends and you're and the enemy team is also playing perfectly, then you just don't have these these opportunities. You don't just have these these massive windows to make plays. So um, you really just have to appreciate the macro for what it is when you watch LCK. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it has not been super stimulating play at this point in time. And teams are definitely just handshaking to play passively. 
Whether that changes or not, I don't know. And I think it's what's what's interesting to me, Dom, is that these teams, LCK and LPL teams, are scrimming against each other. And we have two on and they're on the same patch. And we have two very different metas that have emerged when presumably they are there is cross pollination going on. And that's very weird to me. That's very yeah. weird that, you know, one region concludes that top lane Kale must be the most picked champion. And the other region concludes that it's Nar and Sejuani. Like, I don't really get how that's happening. I We've been recording or just, you know, we were here for a little while. Did we say the stat of game time? Was that live? Was that during yep. our meta? Talk? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. So, I mean, I, I find it kind of odd that given that these teams play, play against each other a lot in practice, that they are deriving such extremely different conclusions about this patch. Um, I think over time, we're going to see them, you know, come together more, uh, more closely. Like it's always interesting to see the start of a split on a wildly different patch, which is usually in mid season, we don't get a patch of this magnitude, right? So it's almost like the start of the year again. In fact, I think you can make an argument that this is more similar. This is a bigger change than the start of the year patch, right? Because there weren't that many changes that were made. Um, so uh, in any case, it's a very large change. And usually in these cases, like because teams don't have anybody else to watch in the professional scene and scrims are not always a good indicator of what is going to be powerful or like micro regional metas develop. And like one region might figure out something that's really strong that then, get, that then gets integrated into scrims and taken into the professional scene of other regions. Like we are going to see a pretty big difference across regions, at least at the start of this, because that's typically what happens. But I'm curious to see in a couple of weeks what shakes out, because I assume we're going to see uh, probably a lot more changes to LCK than LPL, but I, I assume teams are going to start playing more like LPL teams in the coming weeks. I assume uh, they won't. I assume they're just going to farm for an entire split. <laughs> well, it'll be a real boring LCK season then. <laughs> Par for the course. Par for the course. <laughs> I'm. I'm just. Wa I want to see if it's going to be a bro day and see if our uh, Reddit Bryans will be able to make playoffs. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, I hate watching that team. You know, you know what team I love to hate watch, though? I love hate watching Nongshim. Because Nongshim <laughs> is the team. I, I've said this on my stream a bunch of times, but they're the team of all the players that everyone has sworn to me was really good and that I just was, like, I just underrated because I didn't watch LCK. Uh, where, like, Kana, one of the best top laners last year, right? BDD, one of the best mid laners. Ghost... He was the best AD carry in the world. It's just that he was playing a certain style because that's what Dom Juan needed. Well, they're all on the same team and they can't fucking win. So I don't know what the problem is. Strange. <laughs> I love watching that team. I love hate watching them. Like it feels so good just to see them just, just have that horrific game and then just end up losing at the end. Yeah, you know, I, I think that you're you're kind of validated by the fact that Damwon and Nongshim swapped AD carries because like surely, you know, Damwon was like, we should downgrade our AD carry by switching with this other team's AD carry. And surely Nongshim was like, yeah, let's make this trade because that's going to make us better, right? That that was clearly the logic. Not that Nongshim was in fact forced to have Ghost instead. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they downgraded pretty fucking hard with their top lane uh, in spring, so I don't know what the fuck they were doing. Like, well, I, I mean, 
there, like I said, there were <laughs> Damon was was struck by uh, contract disputes to not get the player that they wanted. So, and also, I think they would have taken Nuggery if Nuggery wanted to play the game in spring. Right, it's back now. Sure. He looks fine. I love, I, I love fan logic. Fan logic's great. Um, okay, there you have it. So, let's get to our uh, next segment here that that we'll be doing globally. We'll, we'll do one. One game predictions from each region. So we'll pick one game, and then we'll make a prediction on uh, who's going to win. And so we'll, we'll offer up games that seem to be close, and then we'll decide which game we should decide to pick and then go from there. So we'll start here in the LCK because you set that one up already, uh, Monty. Which one should we uh, dive into? Should it be the, the, the Gingy match? Should it be where, where should we go with this? Uh, I think that I would take, because considering that, again, T1 has not looked particularly good. If I had to pick probably one of the more exciting matches, it would be Genji versus Damwon Kia. But I don't think that's the easiest match to predict. I think actually Damwon is going to beat T1 in the coming week, uh, just based oh, on okay. their... Yeah, I All think right. Damon Kia is going to take out T1. T1 should have lost O2 to KT. Uh, Damon has, they've they faced kind of similar levels of, of opponents, but uh, Damon's come out looking a lot cleaner. And I think that the problem for T1 is that uh, they look really uncomfortable in this meta and they have been really reliant on Zayas for damage output. And I think that Zayas has a much harder matchup up against Nuggery for him to carry as hard as he has in some of these other games. So I think it's a bad matchup, and I think Damwon is currently the better team. So I think Damwon wins that one. Okay. There's one bold prediction from the LCK. Dom, give us a match here for the LPL that you feel like we can make a uh, call-out and prediction on. I mean, we could do the one tomorrow that... uh. Yeah, we'll about, we'll yeah. already uh, people already know, but um, maybe V five RNG. I'm really interested in that matchup. Yeah, I mean the problem is I don't even know if Rookie's gonna play for that. That's because fair. Rookie Rookie hasn't been playing. So why why hmm. do we know why he's not playing? Yeah, his dad died, so he oh. had to go to Korea. So and then he then there's like harsh uh, quarantine um, situations. All right, here here's one here's one that I think that a lot of people are going to. Uh, I mean, most people will probably think that this is just like a very easy prediction, but I think that it will actually be a close series. Ultra Prime versus JDG. Yeah, that's, that's where I was going. That's that's what I, that's what I want to predict. Um, I'm I'm just an Ultra Prime fanboy at this point, but I think the JDG like they've they've had they normally just have a really rough game one. I'll go Ultra Prime two one, even though Jesus. the 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 more sensible prediction would probably be JDG 2-1. I think Ultra Prime can do it. I think Ultra Prime uh, has got what it takes. It's really just up to Hacker to not completely run the game down because he does that often. Um, but I want to see the, this matchup. I mean, I think that, that Cryon is like, he's playing super well um, recently. And I think that Cryon was really misunderstood because people just saw him playing like Annie and Galio and all these picks. And they're like, oh, he can only like roam. That's like, that's all that he's yeah. good at. It's like, yeah, but the reason why he played like that is because that's how RNG functioned. Like when he played Oriana and LPL and like won 50-50 versus one of these like really good mid laners, 
they never won a game. Like he needed to roam to Xiao lane, dive on cooldown, and that's how RNG ended up winning. Um, so it's really nice to see him play Talia and just be so fucking good at the champion. Like, I mean, he's just, it, it incorporates everything that he's good at, you know, like the roaming, um, his team fighting uh, on, on something that has like a unique play style. I mean, he was always pretty good at team fighting on Galio, but seems like Talia could team fight even better and his accuracy with his W's are, are insane. So that'll be my, my like upset prediction of the week. It'll be um, ultra prime over JDG. Right. I also am a JDG hater. <laughs> I, I've been a JDG hater for a while though. I love sliding that in there at the end. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, then let's turn our focus on over to the West. Uh, and let's start. Sure. Let's start at the LCS. Um, here in the LCS, it looks like Saturday's games are kind of kind of boring, I think. It's Dig, C9, 100 Thieves, Golden Guardians, TSM, TL, EG, IMT, I mean, Quest, DLG. All the games are boring this week. I'd uh, say Sunday you could go. I mean, yeah. I mean, does C9 have their full roster? Maybe they have their full roster. If, if they have their full roster, but even then, you know, they haven't really that played together that much. Ah, oh, this CLG is CLG versus EG. A tough sell. CLG, EG, possible <laughs> right, four zero matchup. That, that, that's right. it. That's wow. right. They're, they're, both teams could be undefeated for this. Wow. Giga banger okay. where EG Giga bangs CLG. So there you go. EG over CLG. That sounds good to me. I don't think there's really another game there because uh, unless we're it, doing... it, it feels it feels gross to say it, but that is possibly both teams at 4-0 heading into heading into that matchup. Yeah, I mean, it's up to Immortals and FlyQuest to EG stop. Immortals, Evil CLG, Geniuses. FlyQuest? Yeah. yeah, probably 4 0. That's, that's weird. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> LCS, banger of the week. CLG well, I mean, this is the problem when you have so many bad teams in a region. This is like what happened to uh, LEC in la last summer. It was like oh, one of my oh. least favorite splits to watch. It was like Astralis was terrible. Uh, Shulkit was really bad. That was when Karay was just running it down every fucking game. And then SK was SK, you know, and so you just had like three teams that were completely unwatchable and XL wasn't very good either. Right. So you have, you've essentially four teams that are really, really fucking bad. Um, and Vitality was struggling too. So that like guarantees that unless they start playing each other, you're going to get like four bad games every single day. Like it was really tough. So I think LCS is kind of running into that where you have like, so you have Immortals, uh, FlyQuest, um, Golden Guardians, like those are three that are just straight up bad. And then you have Dignitas, right? So you have those four. And that's not even, that's like assuming that that CLG ends up better. picking it up and that like TSM is like actually not as bad. Like they're just like, okay, you know? Like there's there's four to six teams that are just not inspiring. Tough. I wonder what their, uh, their, their weekly feature team has to has to do they see this week and they're like what the fuck is this you know <laughs> oh no no, no. I, I come on we know what they're gonna do it's they're gonna be all in on clg they it's like the one it, they're they're like a they're like a drowning man you know desperately clawing at a life raft right now you can't blame them right but I, uh, it, it's Luger versus Danny. That has to be the angle, right? It's Luger versus Danny. <laughs> yeah, they're looking for they're looking for any fucking angle because <laughs> the teams don't give them anything. I feel bad for them, honestly. Yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like the the orgs like there's so many orgs that you just 
you just don't believe that they're actually you see tl's roster right and you can like see based off eg's roster they're trying right like cloud nine tried and it didn't work so that's unfortunate 100 thieves that you feel like they're actually trying to, to win the league but outside of those like four teams who else is really trying who else is, is trying to put together a competitive roster to win and who's just trying to like scrape together the best they can come up with like you can't tell me the golden guardians is, is literally spending like they want to win the league fuck no they, they don't have any have money investment yeah, I mean, they, they don't but, have any okay, money. So they just won the NBA finals. They used all their money on Steph Curry. Okay. Yeah, I was I was looking <laughs> up. They're they're paying like two hundred and twenty three million in taxes or something like that. Like the but it's okay. Tax. Riot Riot will love them because the chief esports people are Golden State Warriors fans, which is why they got into the league in the first place, and because they're letting them use their arena for the World Finals. So I'm sure they're getting a, a nice discount. You know. I don't maybe, know. What I, maybe what this I, is it. I just never bought that where, where they're like, oh, we have no money. It's like we're only backed by a fucking like just we're only backed by an NBA team. We're only back backed by a multi-billion dollar company or something like, come on, man. Like, hey, so is Dignitas. Exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> these types of teams where it's like, what do you mean you have no money? Like, yeah, see, they, they're owned by the 76ers, but nobody's told Dignitas yet that you don't actually get draft picks for being the worst in League of Legends. So <laughs> their entire strategy is just fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I really it's the want same thing where it's well, like, man, that's all I want. Look, wh why do you need to to pay James Harden that much money if you're a 76ers? Like, out of everyone you could pay, like, are you going to give James <laughs> Harden a max contract? Just let him go somewhere else, dude. It's fucking doomed. Like, he's never, you're not going to win a championship with the core of James Harden and Joel Embiid. It's just not happening, right? So let James Harden go, you know build around Tyrese Maxey or something and have a good League of Legends team. That's my <laughs> prescription. That's what I want to see out of them. All right. Uh, before we go full NBA podcast here, let's move on over to the LEC again. Uh, God, I can't believe it. EG CLG game of the week. We're going EG. Uh, and then for the LEC, just still, I can't believe it. Uh, let's look down here. Mad Lions fanatic, yeah, I think that's uh, the game of the week. Yeah, Mad Lions. I mean, it's fanatic. either that or it would be like Vitality G two. I mean, like, Mad Lions XL also good. Come on. Yeah, Vitality's yeah. on. Vitality's got two, both games. Both games look okay. Mm, let's it's either. I mean, we spent, I would, we spent I, a lot I'm of more time excited about, about. I'm more excited about Mad Lions XL personally yeah. than Mad Lions fanatic, but. I feel like Mad Lions, uh, like I feel like Mad Lions XL just isn't that hype because I mean XL, you like sure they might come in strong, but they're so right. capped. Like you can't win a win a fucking championship with uh, with with Finn and Nuke Duck as your sole winners, in my opinion. <laughs> All right, well let's talk about Fnatic Mad Lions because I'm actually interested in the uh, Niski revenge match. Yeah, the Minor, who's who stole his spot. So mm -hmm. I I want Niski to win. This is. A, this is Mad Lions over Fnatic, where Niski gets his revenge. That's that's see, this story is one billion times better than any story it's in the LCS better. this week. It's just like people are wondering why. I wonder why LEC viewership is better. This is why, guys. This is why. I mean, these stories are just the, the matchups are better, the games are better, the fucking stories are insanely better, and actually real stories instead of all the fake bullshit that LCS. They're like, remember when these teams played each other with 
10 different players that are in the rift right now, that really matters. It's like, no, we just actually have natural drama in uh, over in over in <laughs> LEC. Uh, it'd be like back in 2021, Palo Fox and Jojo Pune encountered each other in Academy Spring <laughs> One. Yeah, <Fortnite>. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty far. Uh, I agree. I love this uh, revenge tour for Niski uh, with with humanoid sending him to McDonald's for a split. That that's a that's a good one. I think it's really good. Also, Niski will trash talk too. So I hope they get some good content. Uh, Dom, which way are you landing on this one? Uh, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go, I'll go Mad Lions. I'll go Mad Lions. Okay. I think they had a more convincing style, but I think it's really gonna come down to draft, to be honest. Like, I think it's really hard to predict. I think that if Fnatic draft the way that they did this week, where they are like prioritizing Draven and things like that, and Hilly's just like running it down, I think Mad wins pretty easy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that. I don't expect to see Fnatic all in on that style, you know, so there's definitely win cons for, for Fnatic. I think it's really just draft dependent. All right. There you have it. Those are our four predictions for this week coming on up. Make sure to watch those games to close out the episode as we always do. Even though Monty alluded it. Tactical. <laughs> you can't even hold it in anymore. Tactical's a dog. <laughs> all right. A All dog right. can put F, can push F on a keyboard though, so I don't know. Maybe he's worse. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's got her dog. We're going dogs first. Monty already went. Dom, who do you have? Uh, so my dog is going to be Visit Chachi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just I old. Just, Dom, give him give him a break. Yeah, I mean he's he's an old. Like it's time we put him down. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> it, it's it's getting to he's, that. He's going see. to a farm upstate. <laughs> yeah. Look. <laughs> we we all have the fond memories. Like he was a good boy before, but you know, old, old at this point he's just in pain. <laughs> at this point he's just in pain, and I'm in pain. You know, it's, it hurts to watch. You know, it's like when your dog gets to the end of his life, and you know, it's just it, it's painful for both of you. That's how I feel at this point. Like I don't want to remember Chachi like this, man. I don't want to watch him get solo killed twice by Scion versus Jax. I want to remember like, damn, like. The, the Chachi Poppy plays. Oh, shit. He played Poppy, old Poppy, when everyone thought the champion was dog shit, and he actually picked it. Like, the genius, the mad scientist. That's how I viewed him. You know what we're going to get the split? We're going to get the fucking... We're going to get the Gamsu. We're going to get the, the tank top player who clearly can't lane versus the people that are currently in the league and just tries to, like, be smart. It's like, oh, maybe I can group here. Oh, let's go for a team fight. Oh, we can't team fight. The Scion game was bad. The Gwen game was really bad. That Gwen game was... Ugh, it was not like go watch some of those team fights for for Chachi. Jesus, it was not it. So, yeah, just wasn't a fan. Um, I think for me, it it feels weird, but I feel like w it gets glazed over here. I don't know who to put the blame to, but maybe all of Immortals here for getting perfect gamed. Like it has to be someone's fault that that happened but it feels bad to throw that on kenby in his first professional game. look i look i think i think immortals <laughs> immortals is definitely going to be better than they were last split and also immortals was not the 10th place team last split like they like i said earlier they lost games that they definitely should have won they were better than tsm but they threw two games versus tsm which is the only reason that they were in 10th place right yeah. so uh, and uh, objectively 
they have upgraded. We can argue about Xerxes, but they clearly want to give Ken V time. But also, I think Power of Evil wasn't even in the country until like a day before LCS started. So they have no practice together. Um, they did win a game and looked better than in most of their games in that win that they played last split. So I don't think they're super bad. I don't think they're the worst team in LCS. I, I don't think so either. And again, always Pinoy pride, go Ken V, but also they got perfect game. So I'm throwing. Look, he's a rookie. He's 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 a rookie. I, I, I refuse to believe. Mean, though? I don't understand like how how players like Ken V who like play Academy for two years and are like what? He's like 20 years old. How he he's going to come into N, like LCS and it's like, oh, he's a rookie. It's like, bro. Fucking way it comes into L LPL at 17. It's like, you better fucking perform way. Like, I swear to God, like you're, you're going to have to play at MSI versus, versus Canyon. And if you don't out juggle him, you're off the fucking team. You hear me? Like, and then like Kenby, it's, it's, ah, uh, he's, yeah, fuck it. Like just give him like four years. I mean, the LCS mindset, man, it just, it just triggers me so fucking hard. Like, I mean, you know, the answer, you know, the answer to that question is dominate. that they don't actually have to be they don't actually have to be good. So there is no, the level of competition just isn't there, right? And Kenby, I think, could have gotten onto an LCS team sooner. He just didn't want to go to a bad team and then sure. went to Immortals. So I don't really understand that logic. <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah. I, I think that was his choice, Dom. I don't think it was for lack of trying from certain teams. But I just refuse to believe that in a control mage meta, that Power of Evil is somehow going to be on the worst team in, in the LCS. Like, I, I don't think that is possible. And I think that... Ignar is such an insane upgrade over Destiny. And once Kenvi gets a few games under his belt and this team actually has a chance to play together, they they surely they must be better than the Immortals team that we saw last split. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like Kenvi is one of the most hyped junglers over the last like couple years. Like I, I've even hyped him. Like the way that he played, he was not playing league. He was not no. playing league this weekend. He was like uh, he was a bad. completely different player. <laughs> that that Nocturne the game Kenby was really I know. bad. I've played against this guy in solo queue. Like this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. He's a good fucking player. He's got I think good it's probably mechanics. nerves, man. I think it's probably yeah. nerves. Sure. But like he does seem like a shy boy Filipino guy. Like uh, nerves. I mean, seem great. Like I mean, I, I'm down with all that stuff. All I'm saying is that like his level, like the expectations shouldn't be like, oh, give him a couple splits. Like if he looks like this for a whole split, like that's that's an issue. It's not like it's not like, oh, well, you know, it's his rookie split. Like, that's not how, how you should feel. I mean, look at how Danny looked in his rookie split. Look at how JoJo just looked in his rookie split. Like, well, I think I think also the instability of the Immortals coaching staff since Kyoto left is probably part of the problem. I, I, right. I Like, to be honest, I feel like like LCS is so solo QE anyway. I feel like you could just show your your skill. I think that if he if he plays with confidence, he could really just like it doesn't it don't, you don't have to win the games but look at what closer right. looked like look look Tom, let's give him more than a week okay <laughs> i'm down to give him more than a week but like i just don't want to i just give like, him more than a week when he literally had no time sure. to play with his team to practice into this split so let's just let's just give it a week or two you know sure sure but i mean uh, like i i'm just saying that we shouldn't be saying like oh he's a rookie like give him some so, like we can give him more than a week but he needs to like actually play league like what he was doing was it's not <laughs> any of those other things. Like he is just literally like man up and play some fucking league. Like just play right. like you play. He's he's good. Like Kenby is good. Like I just hope he's not a fucking stage fright choker. Like I, I don't want to see him piss himself on stage. You yeah. might have already seen that. Anyway. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't want to see him piss himself again on stage. There it is. There, there it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> man, I, I just 
they still had Turtle, this would just be uh, FlyQuest Teal. I like this. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy know, that you're not, Turtle. You're not a fan of Turtle. You're not a. You're not. A well, I, I mean, no, I'm a Turtle's fan of Turtle, play. but it's like Turtles play. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's just like I don't like seeing old players like ruin their careers by just like being horrible at the end of their career, like being actually like the worst in the region. Like I like seeing them kind of go out. I want to remember Turtle at the end of like 2020. You know, where I'm like, damn, look at that longevity. Like, you know, made two finals, went to Worlds, beat Jackie Love. All right, won a game versus Jackie. All right, that's all I need to know. I don't want to think about, oh, CLG, that whole struggle, and then this immortal. Like, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. All right. He's a great player. Uh, He's one of the best AD carries. He's probably like a top five uh, AD carry in LCS ever, like historically. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's remember right, like that, please. <laughs> we will. Let's go to our gods of the week. Um, Dom, go ahead. Who you got? My God of the week. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the, the easy one. I'll, I'll give it to Joe I mean, he's so much better than Jenkins was, and he was actually playing aggressive. And that to me is, is I think a pretty big difference. Like that is some, a player that you can tell is playing with confidence and playing their own game. And that's just, that's actually a very good comparison to what I see, what I didn't see from Kenvi. Like Joe came in, he like wants to actually show what he's, what he's made of. Like, and People will say, oh, well, he's played in LCS before. But, like, to me, I think that almost makes it worse when you've played in LCS, like, three, four years ago, and then you, you've you got, like, this is your shot, you know? And you know that, like, you're on the fucking... You're in the hot seat. If you fucking underperform, Jenkins probably coming back. I thought Dogla actually, you know, showed that he's elevated his gameplay and he's ready for LCS. So I'll give him my god. All right. Monty. Jovi. Um, it's a great meta for Chovy. Uh, he gets to play one of his all-time great champions, Azir, which he's played three times so far. He has also played one game of Corky, so it's not the most exciting, but he continues to be as dominant in lane as ever. He has died zero times in the first four games uh, that he has played within this split of the LCK. And yeah, he hasn't had the toughest opponents, but he is dominating his lane. Out of the entire league, he has the highest gold difference and XP or uh, gold difference at 10 minutes. Um, he has just been absolutely spectacular. He's doing 35% of his team damage, which you would expect on some of these like hyper hyper carry poke champions. But he's been really good. And I think the, the knock against Chovy has long been that once he exits the laning phase he is not super well coordinated with the rest of his team but he's looked good so far this split and he's still a very young player so i am holding out hope that eventually he can learn how to work with his teammates properly but it's been a really really strong showing at the start of this season from him all right along the back of that uh thought process give me bjergsen hasn't died sure. yet showed yep. uh uh, you were like, okay, it's just going to be weight and scale with Victor, but then showed off, okay, we'll pull out the LeBlanc. Yeah, the, uh, the LeBlanc game was really what is the inkling that Bjergsen might be back because it, mid was so terrible last split in LCS, and yeah. Bjergsen was first team all pro, but he really wasn't even good, and he certainly wasn't carrying games like he used to, but that LeBlanc game was actually, like, legit Bjergsen again, so that made me happy to see. Yep. So, TL uh, getting their representation 
throughout through Bjergsen here. Okay, there we go. Got her dog complete. This episode basically done here. Summer split is uh, underway. Well and good. We've got ourselves the matches to watch for next week. Uh, closing thoughts here, uh, Monty. Uh, yeah. Watch the new LCK show if you're an LCK fan where we can we complain go. about how LCK is doing nothing and boring, but it will be more exciting than watching the games themselves. So we'll save you the trouble oh, of watching spell. the boring games. <laughs> what? <a spell. laughs> know, know about what's going on in the LCK without suffering 20 minutes of no kills. There you go. There's the pitch right there. Sound informed. Don't watch the yeah. games. Monty and Wolf show. Go watch it. Cool, and I'm going to say the opposite for, for LPL. I'm not going to do an LPL show. I just want you to watch the games because if you watch the games, then you'll like what you see. Don't, don't I, watch I agree with LCK. Dom. We can't do, we can't do LPL shows because nobody watches LPL. But if you watch the games in LPL, then we can have yeah. LPL shows. So there you go. Yeah, it's, no it's one the first step to an LPL show. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, just, it's just the hype. Like No one really likes watching Good League. You know, they, they'd, they'd rather just sit there for 34 minutes uh, watching people farm and watch one first blood at 3430 and then a nexus exploded for some reason that is what uh people think is is exciting so you know what maybe maybe you shouldn't watch lpl maybe maybe you should just watch that so <laughs> when we come to worlds you guys will have another a bunch of terrible opinions like t1 is going to smash everyone and there's not going to be anyone close and you guys can call me delusional and i can uh make a career off being a hater aka just watching lpl Right, which is actually uh, a good point. I, I did pull up one comment here from last week's episode uh, of The Jungle. Let me see if I have it. It was about specifically the T1, uh, I guess like T1 copium about how they ended up in that spot in terms of uh, uh, underperforming. This is from Michael Samansky. He said, I wonder if the decline of Damwon caused a ripple effect where T1 didn't have any excellent teams in the region to punish them hard enough and force improvements to stay competitive. Uh, there seems to be a trend in Korea where they can still produce good teams, but only one or two world-class teams that can compete with the LPL. Uh, I, that seems interesting in terms of line, uh, lines of logic, but what did you think uh, of that here, Monty? Uh, sorry, you cut out there for a second and hear the end of the comment. Oh, um, there seems to be a trend where a team from Korea can produce good teams, but only one or two world-class teams that can compete with the LPO. Uh, I mean, that's that's true. <laughs> it's definitely true this last split. Like, I think that the it was really one-sided. Now, part of that was because of COVID and all of this other shit, right? But... Um, there were clear flaws, I think, with T1 that we discussed at length. And then there were also even more clear flaws with some of the other Korean teams. I think it is more competitive this time around, but it's not shocking to say that there is there are more competitive teams within the LPL than the LCK, and that typically it's just been one LCK team that has been able to kind of compete at the top level. Now, you might look at it and say, well... Okay, at Worlds last year, there were actually a lot of uh, a lot of Korean teams that made overall deep runs into the playoffs, right? Like you you saw, you know, uh, 
these these matches like Gen G, you know, losing a, a close best of five to EDG. Three of the four teams in the semifinals were there, but also that was kind of like bad bracket draws because RNG and EDG hit each other in the first round of the playoffs. Um, and uh, I mean, all four teams made the playoffs, so that was pretty good. But Hanwha was kind of unexpected and got bodied. So um, well, I think it I was. Mean, realistically the only reason they made the playoffs because fanatic exploded like that. Yeah. I mean, they, yes. they definitely wouldn't have had a very <laughs> yes. easy yes. way to yes. get into the playoffs that's, with that's a extremely real true that's extremely true but also i think lng did kind of maybe or fpx did uh excuse me fpx did worse than expected right uh yeah for sure so i don't know like i feel like Korea benefited from other teams exploding, whether like not feeling full rosters like Fnatic. It's an inside or... job. Nuggery, n- Nuggery just destroyed <laughs> FBI. <laughs> Dude, I'm I did still... make that joke. I did make it that joke at the time that he was the sleeper agent put there by Dom One in that group to uh, yeah. destroy dis- destroy FPX from the inside out. Uh, well, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, like. I have a whole video on it. If LCK wants to be competitive, they need to actually do double elimination. How does LCK still not have double elimination? It's the only major region that doesn't do double elimination in their playoffs. How? Like, they need to actually have their teams fight. I think, well, I'm not sure that would have been good. It would have been really horrible this spring. Honestly, like the the level of competition, the level of competition, I just don't think is there to actually make those double elimination playoffs interesting. I mean, worst comes to worst. You see, you see Dom one versus Gen G again. I definitely want to see Dom one versus Gen G again after what happened the first time. It was literally decided by Dom one throwing. Then maybe Dom one wins the second time. Then they play against D one. Then you get a better series. Like, yeah, I, mean, but I think the, you're, you're looking at the very end of that. The early stages of that double elimination bracket would be incredibly painful. Um, really not good games. Uh, and the logic also was that if you're playing double round robin best of three, that there should be very concrete advantages because you play so many games to earn those seeds. I I think double elimination probably better, but it's not. Double I don't think it's as good as you think it would be. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, th- I think it would be really good. I mean, it's double elimination past the point. So you don't do double elimination with the dog shit teams. You do double elimination with the, with the semifinals on. So yep. that's what, that's what OPL that. does. You you hit four, yep. and then the worst match you get is you get um you get DRX versus like Dom one. That's the worst match you get, which I think is like even more watchable than DRX for like I feel like that's the price you pay in order to get DRX versus Genji again, um or get like two final or like two matches between Genji and T one, which I think would just yeah just be better, you know. Yeah. Uh, I picked still think it'd be way worse than double limb and LPL playoffs. Like those matches are much more exciting, but anyway, yes, (laughs) I don't think that's the reason why they're being held back. I think the teams are just not as good as LPL teams in terms of player depth and player pool and competitiveness. And especially I think that the way that Korean teams are coached to be ultra passive and never take risks is actually one of the biggest core issues with, with the Korean teams. I, I, you I never know that one out when you have a uh, second life, maybe sometimes you can be a little bit more aggressive. And then yeah, the other part, I, I think the other part of it is like, it doesn't look like the top LCK teams are much worse than the LPL teams when it comes to international competition, right? Like we see game fives between all of them. I think the main problem is that they're not clutch. And no, they play like feel- cowards in game fives. Like I couldn't believe what we saw in both game five of Dom one at worlds and then game five of T one. Uh, at MSI, it was just, like 
the coward's way out both times. It was lame. Yeah. So, okay, we'll see. Uh, again, fans, put in your comments. We will pick them out, and I don't always pick the ones that piss everyone off. This one was actually a good comment. That was, I like that one. Uh, again, okay. catch Monty on his uh, the LCK show. Catch Dom co-streaming every single game everywhere. But, uh, of course, don't watch LPL with him. You could watch it. And then come yep. back and we'll discuss my it. My streams afterwards. have been really enjoyable. I've noticed that my streams are more enjoyable when I have like two to three K viewers than when I have like five K watching LPL. Normally when I have five K watching LPL, it's just people telling me how much better T1 is than the LPL team that I'm currently <laughs> watching. That's actually just all it is. I, I don't understand when T1 fans got so fucking annoying because they weren't that annoying when I was in Korea, but they're really fucking annoying now. Well, I think that it's like the the pent up anger for like not winning a major international tournament for like five years at this point. It's starting to actually boil over. You know, they were spoiled before. You know, they, they it's what I've noticed even by like championship teams in Korea is that even the the players, the coaches, everyone, they're so like humble when they're winning. But then when they and then when they lose, then you start seeing the saltiness. Then you start seeing, oh, it was blue side different. Like, oh, no one impressed me. That's when you start seeing the actual like. You know the 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 slights at people. Interesting. Um, let's see. Yeah, Wild Rift group stage starts now. A North American team beat Kwangdong Freaks. That was fun. Uh, but I'll be here. We will be covering week two and I guess week three if you're counting the LPL of all the action uh, here on the Jungle next week. Make sure you all subscribe so you don't miss it, and we'll see y'all next time. Thanks.